Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 188 of At Odds with Wrestling. Joe and Adam and the neighborhood is here because I'm not closing my windows. How we doing, Adam? Oh, look at that. See, I would open my window uh, to the like the podcast studio, but like for whatever reason, as soon as I open it, every motorcycle that has ever existed in Pennsylvania will, will drive by. Yeah, literally as uh, we started recording here, I heard a bunch of cars going by, so it is what it is. Yeah. And, and Joe, like, here's the thing, man. When you keep me waiting to record a podcast, I uh, end up lingering in the flea market a little bit more than I should. So right. That that's been dangerous. That, that's why we're late. Um, it's because <laughs> Adam was in the flea market, not because I was off gallivanting around the neighborhood on a school night going to see Doctor Strange. You know? <laughs> exactly. Put the blame on me. I'm fine with it. Uh, no, no spoilers, but, uh, you know, if you're, if you're this invested in the Marvel movies and, or you like the Sam Raimi films, uh, I think you'll enjoy this. All right. I, I, I've, I have, as Todd would say, I have sweat equity in the MCU, so I'm not tapping out now. Exactly. Exactly. I've seen, I've seen everything except for runaways, but that's. Oh, oh, so you're like even the TV shows and stuff. Oh yeah. Agents of shield, agent <laughs> Carter. All the Netflix stuff, Disney Plus, I, I've I've seen it all. You saw all the in- episodes of Inhumans that escaped. I I suffered through. I'm the one person who saw them all. Yes. Uh, and you saw Eternals. Uh yes, the one Marvel movie that I won't give five stars to. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> like it's one of those things where it's like even a bad Marvel movie to me is good, but Eternals yeah. is just. It's so bad. So, so bad. And every single time I finish an episode of Moon Knight, Disney Plus is like, hey, how would you like to watch Eternals now? I'm like, nope, I've already made that mistake. Not again. (laughs) So, and again, we'll get into wrestling stuff here. um, But, you know, we go to the movie and they do like a little thing beforehand, like whatever, you know, the Maria Menounos thing, right? Oh, yeah. I'm very familiar with Maria Menounos. Go ahead. <laughs> so they have some guy who's giving you the hype up for uh, Thor Love and Thunder, God and Thunder. What's the new Thor movie called? Love and Thunder. Love and Thunder. And it's like, here's a quick recap of Thor's whatever, right? You know? Um, and as they're doing it, they completely skip over part two. Well. <laughs> like, they mentioned, they mentioned not a lick of what happened in part two. <laughs> I think part two is probably like in my bottom third of the Marvel movies, if not my bottom movie. It's not that it's bad. It's just that it feels like it's a movie where nothing happened. It's it's unremarkable is the best word for it. Yeah, yeah. And again, uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us for this impromptu episode of Porch Talk. But uh, <laughs> like, I feel like there's a small handful of Marvel movies that I have only seen once, and it was in theaters, and yeah. I've never watched again. And like Thor 2, Iron Man 3, Ant-Man and the Wasp, those are movies that I would say, all right, they're better than Eternals, but mm-hmm. I don't need to go and see them again unless I'm doing like some massive rewatch, which I'll do one of these days. Yeah. Well, when you and uh, they're all on Disney Plus, they don't need our uh, plugs, but Amazon does. And we'll mention that later. Um, but you next time you and Todd get on the porch, you guys can do your power rankings of those movies. We'll do. We'll do. All right. All right so enough of that. Let's get into this. And now, At Odds With Wrestling presents This Day in Wrestling History. Hey, This Day in Wrestling History, a bunch of stuff happened. No, I'm kidding. We're going to get into some of the stuff because it's actually pretty interesting. All right. 
head-to-head 1997 Raw versus Nitro. Um, Nitro's still an hour because they're being preempted by the NBA Finals. Um, nothing real major going on there. Just the continuation of the Piper Flair, Kevin Green, NWO program that's going on while um, uh, Hogan's off filming some sort of movie that's terrible, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, there is a uh, Regal versus Meng match that's on there that I'm sure is probably lots of fun and super short. <laughs> Uh, Raw still trying to get their footing, you know, still lots of Rockabilly matches, uh, still trying to make Furnace and LaFawn a thing. But the two big things that happen on this, like, you know, as we've been building up over the last couple weeks, last week's Raw was when uh, the Anvil came back. And this is like, this episode of Raw is where Brett cuts the promo to officially like unify the Heart Foundation. Okay. That that does remind me. I have to get on my next Photoshop. I have to Photoshop jackets, Heart Foundation jackets for me and Boar. Okay. <laughs> well, there's that picture that he tweeted out of Brett in the wheelchair. Yeah. Even if you just throw a picture of the Boar mask over Brett in that picture, I think that would be enough. <laughs> it would, but I, I want to put myself over, too. I got to get All in right. there somehow. <laughs> me, you, Tim, Boar. <laughs> And then the and then just leave the anvil as the anvil, you know? <laughs> yeah, you can't replace him. <laughs> uh, but also on this episode of Raw was the first of those. So it's the Mankind one is more famous. That happens uh, later on this, like in the next couple months. But this is JR sitting down with not Goldust and Marlena, but Dustin and Terry, like out of gimmick, out of character. Yeah, no, I remember those. Yeah, so this was like, if, like, and this one isn't as memorable. This is kind of like cementing the face turn, but it's also like very strangely, weirdly trying to distance Dustin and Marlena from like the early Gold Dust stuff, which was very supposed to be like homophobic and gay baiting and that sort of thing. Yeah. And this was to kind of try to skew it more toward like he was bizarre and weird and all these other things right yeah he's he's troubled and he's he's channeling it into this character type deal sure um and we're gonna just jump around a little bit because uh this day one year ago uh was the aew blood and guts match the first ever blood and guts match which was their uh war games knockoff Oh, this is the one where Jericho got thrown off the cage into like the totally real ramp, right? Right. He 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 fell off into like a bunch of cardboard boxes. Yes. <laughs> and it was shot really well. I remember us lamenting that that it could have been saved by some some yeah. uh, more genius camera work. <laughs> and yet another Jericho uh, finish that can never be shown again because of how bad it is. In his AEW career, there's at least three. That were like these huge, big, defining career moments. But because Jericho forgot to either know how to roll forward or, you know, the the, the stage setup was really shitty, they could just never show them again because they look so bad. Yeah, but I mean, at least in this one, you can't blame the wizard. You know, you have to blame production. <laughs> blame the wizard. <laughs> when he was announced as that on Dynamite this week, I was just like, really? <laughs> He's got to move the gimmicks, that's all. <laughs> yes. I haven't seen the the wizard shirts yet, so thankfully. 
your, your blocks on Twitter are, are serving you well. Yeah. Uh, but last but not least, uh, a twofer uh, on this day uh, 20 years ago is when World Wrestling Entertainment officially became World Wrestling Entertainment. This was the beginning of the Get the F Out campaign. Okay. They did, definitely didn't hammer that hard throughout the episode, you know? It no. wasn't every 10 seconds. No, listen, it's rebranding. Vince knows what he uh, wants to do. And if you believe Bruce Pritchard, and you know that I do, uh-huh. um, it was just one day Vince woke up and decided... Um, what does federation even mean? We're about entertainment, pal. And it was already like listed as World Wrestling Entertainment, like on the stock exchanges and stuff like that. It definitely wasn't because um, the lawsuit that was going on with the World Wildlife Fund came back up. Yeah. <laughs> and they were brazen about it. None of that ever happened. It was yeah. just Vince woke up one day and just said, I like E's better than F's. We're changing everything. Yeah. I mean, they make movies, pal. So it's like, you don't need. You don't need to use the W word or, the, you know, for wrestling and federation and all that stuff. Well, speaking of movies, also on this same day, um, you know, with international time zones and everything else like that, today is the 20-year anniversary of the plane ride from hell. Oh, so you're, you're being all wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey with time zones for the plane ride from hell, but you won't let us include an awesome Kevin Nash pro- promo, will you? Well, you know what? Uh, it's, I think the, uh, plane ride from hell has been done to death. And, uh, I was, I was outvoted in the group chat in regards to this two to one. Uh, so here we go, folks. I, mean, I can talk about it all day, but I think, you know, sometimes a picture says a thousand words. That's and, true. Uh, what I, what I basically did here was I, I constructed a graph. Oh, wow. All right. Uh, okay. Starts in 1993. You see with, uh, with Hogan and what he drew that year, which was after, this is all profits, of course. Profits to the WWF at that time was $20 million. Bret Hart took over $17 million. Nash, as the Diesel character, well over $100 million. That's huge, without my merchandise. Yeah, huge spike in profits. Huge spike. Right huge spike. Largest, largest grossing champion in the history of, of the business, including merchandise. Merchandise would be a separate chart. Of course, Austin, a great run. Austin... Nearly, nearly, nearly up there with, with my run, but but nowhere close. And of course, the drastic drop off with with Rock there uh, after the Austin era. So that, uh, in a nutshell, that kind of shows uh, where the businesses went. Of course, at this time right here, the NWO spike that that I, uh, with me at the helm, would have you know surpassed all this and be three hundred million dollars. So really, you just took your spike from the WWF. And moved it. And yeah, just moved it over to WCW. Spike them too. Right. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot of spiking. Imagine with me on Spike. <laughs> <laughs> so that promo was 16 years ago yesterday. Um, but again, I let's just say with time zones, maybe if somebody's watching a West Coast feed, uh, <laughs> maybe it did get uploaded to the uh was YouTube a thing back 16 years ago? Uh probably not. Like it existed, but I think it was all cat videos. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. Yeah, uh, I'm but, pretty sure I DVR'd it and didn't watch it until the next day, and that's what we're going by. All right, that counts. That counts. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, an eventful day in wrestling history. You know, some people uh, like to ignore history because of new people signed onto their podcast network. Not us. Uh, <laughs> a lot of other stuff happened on this day, but like it's smaller stuff. It's weirder stuff. You know, whatever. 
Uh, and when there's a ton of stuff, I always like to hit the big stuff and the 1997 head-to-head stuff I always think is fun. So, hey, Adam, let's forget about the uh, distance past and let's look at the last, like, seven days. Uh, what do we want to talk about? All right, I have a couple things, but I'm going to I'm gonna start small and work my way up, I feel like. And I want to just talk really quick about on AEW, what a surprise, we're just, I'm an AEW stan, apparently, uh, is there was a promo with Hangman Page, where he came out to talk about CM Punk, and uh, the promo itself was fine, I'm not going to criticize that, but Hangman comes out, he's shitting on CM Punk, which, again, is fine, uh, even though it's your favorite wrestler, and... (laughs) I like Hangman Page, he's a good guy. I'm talking about CM Punk. Oh, oh. Yeah, and, you know, Hangman's basically like, oh, we're not going to have a masturbatory Bret Hart tribute. And obviously the crowd goes and I thought that was a babyface move, like crap it on Bret Hart. But crowd did not like that. They did not like the fact that uh, Hangman was criticizing CM Punk in any way. And it was I don't want to say he was booed out of the building, but Hangman was definitely treated by the crowd or wherever the hell they were as the heel. And it brings me to a question for you. Is CM Punk more over with the AEW crowd than Hangman Page? And, like, Hangman Page is a homegrown guy that I thought, like, was untouchable to the crowd. Like, unless he started, like, murdering puppies, that, like, there was no way you were going to get him to be booed. And I could almost get, like, uh, I don't know, you put him in there with, with, like, Danielson or something like that. Or just, like, Orange Cassidy. Like, okay, maybe you're going to get Hangman to get booed. But I was really, really surprised that CM Punk was enough of a babyface with the AEW crowd to get Hangman booed. And I just kind of want to get your take on that. Somebody had to play subtle heel in the match. Um, And I think it would be easier to get Hangman to be subtle heel, especially with this promo than it would be Punk to be subtle heel in this match. Now, if things were different, um, obviously if this match was uh, taking place at a pay-per-view in Chicago, you wouldn't even have to do this. Punk's getting cheered over Page, whatever. Um, If this was taking place in a different, maybe what would be considered a hangman-friendly area, Virginia, Texas, places like that, I don't think they would have needed this this promo. Vegas is neutral. We don't want to have a weird split reaction. Like we don't want to have a weird like half boo half cheer for Punk, half boo half cheer for Hangman. This is our way. You know, three weeks out, whatever it is from the pay per view. It's not like they're turning Hangman heel after the match when Hangman wins and him and Punk shake and kiss and whatever. Everybody goes back to being baby faces again. This was just a way so that the fans know going into that match who to cheer for and who to boo for. I get that, but like we did the AEW did the same exact thing with CM Punk when he was feuding with Eddie Kingston. They had CM Punk be a little bit more heelish. So like it's already established that he can kind of go both ways and CM Punk to some people might already be a slightly unlikable person. And it just hmm. it doesn't make any sense to have Hangman be the guy that's teetering, especially if you're he's the the he's the champ. He shouldn't have to acquiesce or accommodate CM Punk. Well, I I, I agree with you to an extent. Um, and again, I know you poke me a little bit about being a big CM Punk guy. <laughs> um, 
But with the Punk and Eddie Kingston thing, there was no stopping Eddie Kingston. You know, like they did have Punk come out and be a little bit more of the heel in those promos. But even if Punk came out kissing babies and giving everyone his shoes and puppies in the front row, as soon as Eddie Kingston comes out, he's getting booed. Eddie, uh, Eddie's on another level more than your champion. Yes. Maybe that's the reason why Eddie doesn't need the title. Okay, maybe. I'd like to see Eddie have the title. I'd like to see Eddie have a lot of things. Um, but, and it's so weird to say that, like, you can't compare their their world champion that they've been building for the last three years to Eddie Kingston. That's, you know, <laughs> it's completely different. But, you know, it kind of is. Yeah. All right. I was wondering if it seemed as odd to you as it did to me. It just kind of seemed like out of right field. And I, I get the reasoning behind it. But like, if you're going to do that, and I don't think it's necessary. I think you, with this AEW crowd, you can have both of them getting cheered like crazy. It's like somebody doesn't have to be booed. You know, I, I don't, I reject that mindset for like a big title match. So I think even with, you know, as we've discussed before, how AEW is kind of reteaching us as wrestling fans about this sort of thing. Um, I think doing a straight up baby face, baby face match is your main event of a pay-per-view. Uh, it still has a negative connotation in it. So you need to have someone at least play the heel character going into it. Um, like I said, definitely it's, it's not a hangman heel turn. I don't think it, that was a, anything. It was hangman coming out and, you know, those people analyzing the promo of like, you could tell from this look that hangman gave that at first he wasn't sure of his words, but then by the end of the promo, you could tell he believed everything. And I'm like, come on, guys. <laughs> Thank God I don't care enough about anything to be that critical. <laughs> right, exactly. All right, what do you got? Well, uh, this past Friday uh, was the first in what is rumored to be a no the uh, in a long line of releases from the World Wrestling Entertainment. Uh, a lot of them were folks that are in NXT, maybe folks that we haven't seen on TV. Some names that if I said them to you and I if I if I wrote the names down and gave you pictures and said match these names to these pictures, <laughs> I I assure you that we would go one for six on yeah. you know on a couple of them. Yeah, especially considering your spreadsheet's just completely outdated. Right. Um, and the spreadsheet's long gone. Um, but I don't even think this is the full list that I have here in front of me on the screen because this list does not include, um, uh, what the hell was it? And again, it's so bad that I forget his name already from, uh, Sam Shaw. What the Dexter hell was Loomis. Dexter Loomis? Uh, Dexter Loomis got released. Uh, Persia Parada, who were in an angle together. Yeah. And the other parts of, like, the angle that they were in, which were couples, even married, are still in the company. Oh, wait, Persia Prada is Indy's friend? Yes! Oh, okay, I just know her as Indy's friend. Well, listen, <laughs> again, spreadsheet hasn't been updated since October. That's on me, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Harlan has been released. You remember Harlan, don't you? No. <laughs> Harlan was the big bald guy that stood next to Joe Gacy. Oh, because Joe Gacy started getting spooky. Yeah, that's right. Right. Joe, Joe Gacy now has druids for some reason. <laughs> I, I have no clue. Um, but the two big ones, I would say, um, are Dakota Kai and Malcolm Bivens. Yeah. Uh, Stokely Hathaway, Big Stoke, call him what you will. 
Um, now, the word on the street is that those two were offered contract extensions back in February, and they were they said thanks, but no thanks. So they kind of knew the release was coming sooner than later. Okay, at least they weren't blindsided. That's good. Right. Um, now, granted, because they're NXT people, I think they have 30 days or whatever it is. And you just saw the outpouring for not all, like for all of these people, but specifically for those two. Uh, Dakota Kai was such a huge part of NXT for a very long time. Uh, Stoke has been in the system for a very long time and is just such a creative force. And I say this as someone who I consider a friend. And I would say these things, and it's not like, oh, Joe's saying these things as a buddy. You take me out of this, and you look at the general populace that is aware of Stokely Hathaway, Malcolm Bivens, what have you, and they say the same thing. Um, I'm just very, I'm just very lucky that so many of my friends are really super talented. Oh shucks. You don't have to, uh, you don't have to include me in that. I was going to say present company uh, excluded from that, but... <laughs> Um, I- I'm sure they're both going to land on their feet, but it's just, this is just another reminder. These are people that like moved across the country, moved from another country. I think Persia Parada, and I forget what her shoot name is, but again, I think like Monday of last week, she was tweeting out pictures of the new house she just bought. And then Friday she's released. Yeah. <laughs> and like, these are people that because of being hired by WWE, because of the pandemic, because of both, who are foreigners, New Zealand, Australia, etc., they haven't been home to see their family in years. And now, the world's not open back up fully just yet. They're essentially stuck in a foreign country with no job. Yeah. And, and, oh, and who knows what their, you know, um, their green card status, their immigration statuses, you know, I don't think WWE was helping with that. I have no idea. It sucks. It sucks to see anyone lose their job, but it's good to see so many of them out there hustling that are looking to still be involved in wrestling. And, you know, there are people who I think were, you know, and I don't follow Instagram, but there was a couple of the names on the list that like, they're like, yeah, wrestling wasn't for me. This sucks. I'm done. I'm going to do something else. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you'll have that with some of the people that were, like, athletes or models that just got scouted and brought into the Performance Center because, you know, they were doing that at the time. They were, like, just – that was the mandate. Go find pretty people. Go find athletes. And we'll we'll teach them to love wrestling. Yes. So you don't feel so bad about that. Um, but the other thing is if the people who do want to go and hit the, the, the other promotions, whether it be – Specifically the the no names. I don't mean no names, but the people we don't recognize. It's like, yeah. where do you catch on? Because it's like, we can't say, oh, well, hopefully AEW takes them. Hopefully TNA takes them. Hopefully, you know, there's only so many spots. And we've already seen what AEW has become where it's like a lot of NXT guys. And that's sometimes a good thing, sometimes a bad thing. But I, I just want to talk about like Dakota and Bivens real quick. Like Dakota Kai, and this has been said on Final Wrestling Place when those jerks went and scooped us like they always do by by recording earlier, is that Dakota Kai is one of the biggest female dropped balls in like WWE history. She was a top, top NXT 
uh, performer back when that meant something, you know, and like the fact that she never got a main roster push and kept on getting jerked around with stupid characters. And it was being shared on Twitter a lot this week. Her heel turn on Tegan Knox during war games was one of the like the probably the best heel turns in NXT, you know, and like you had this amazing character and then you obviously did the the diesel and sean gimmick with her and raquel like there was a lot of money to be made and they just consistently just fucked it up so uh hopefully she catches on somewhere else she's awesome and as far as bivens go like i don't have the attachment to stokely that you do just from like not knowing him but everything i've ever seen of him you know on just whether it be a, a video clip that he releases on youtube or like the 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 sh- parking lot brawl with orange Cassidy or or just like worded tweets, if that makes sense, like have all been hilarious. And if WWE had any kind of mainstream presence that it used to have, he would be like a mainstream star. Now he like, he should be in commercials. He should be a pitch man for like, you know, Coca-Cola or something like that. He should have a late night talk show. Uh, People should be knocking down his door to get him somewhere you know, in addition to wrestling, because he's just that entertaining. I think uh, somebody had pointed out when he released his video announcing his departure. And and as we speak here, it has about 285,000 views. But I think maybe within the first hour, somebody pointed out that it had over 100,000 views, which at that point was more viewed than any of the YouTube clips from that previous week's NXT. Yeah. It's just them recognizing or not recognizing that they have a talent, you know. Yeah, and you know we t- we talk a lot about like meme wrestlers and that sort of thing. And I would never consider Stokely a meme wrestler. I would consider someone who understands how to use social media probably better than ninety nine percent of people involved in wrestling. Yeah, and you look at like, and this is uh, bear with me on this example, but if you remember like. Enzo and Cass, when they were in NXT, they were super over super quick because it was a it was an entertaining gimmick. So they're like, let's get them to the main roster as quick as fucking possible. Uh, Hit Row, when they were in NXT, like they did not have a very long run in NXT. You know, Swerve Scott won the United States title and then or not United States, the North American title. And almost instantly, they're like, oh, we're bringing them up to the main roster because this is a hot act and we want to get this in front of a national audience. Like that should have been Stokely, you know, like it, whether it had been with Diamond Mind or bringing him up and hosting like a raw talk show or something like that. Somebody in that company should have recognized how entertaining this guy is and been like, all right, whatever with the Diamond Mind, let's have Roderick Strong run that. Who cares? Let's get this guy to the main roster quick because we have something. And I don't understand how you can have that many people in quote unquote creative, you know, that are producing these shows, writing these shows that aren't recognizing that. And I get that the diamond mine, uh, like manager might not have been the most charismatic representation of Malcolm Bivens, but they're not looking at his Twitter. They're not looking at any of the footage that might've resulted in them hiring him in the first place. Like it, it just seems like one hand doesn't know what the other one's doing. Uh, again, not a unique take, you know, I think everybody knows that. Right. And then you mentioned Roderick Strong and it came out, you know, in the last couple days as well, that Roderick Strong's asking for his release as well. Yeah. And they said no, but I also read, and I could just be reading stuff on Twitter, but like he just resigned recently and now he's asking for his release. 
Yeah, he. I think it was within the last like six months. May, like I think it was. You know what? It was probably like around February. And again, I can't say for sure. I don't know everyone's timetables, but I would assume that it was probably around February where he signed his. They offered them. They offered him the extension. He signed, and now has signer's remorse. Yeah, he's seeing how the undisputed elite is over on the other show. Wishes he was there. Or Ring of Honor or whatever. Or whatever, right. All right, Joe. Well, I have a follow-up to you talking about the releases. Oh, okay. And I I knew you would talk about the releases, so I don't have them in my notes. Um, But here's the thing. Uh, Another podcast in the soon-to-be-named network, We Need Wrestling. Uh, One of their best segments, in my opinion, was when they used to suffer through watching NXT. (laughs) And that has since gone away. They claim that it's because it makes them sad, and I get that. And they have replaced that segment with them talking about Japanese wrestling, you know, all Japan, New Japan, all that stuff. And here's the thing, Joe. Like, I am a huge, huge, huge Japanese wrestling fan, so everything that they talk about, I already know about. So it's like, I'm like, I get it, guys. You're very good at this. It's entertaining, but this is all old news to me. I've caught up on this. I read the dirt sheets. I watch all the Japanese shows live. So... I feel like I have a duty to our listening audience for just this week to give everybody an NXT recap. Oh, I thought you were going to you I thought you were going to explain to us what promotion uh since you're a Japanese wrestling expert, what promotion uh I didn't include it in the the the, the you know this day in wrestling history uh would regularly have a show on May 5th of every year. See I know the answer. You know the answer. I don't want to bore anybody with me going okay. into great detail on that. Um, but anyways, I went and watched NXT this week. This is a long way to get into this, but I watched NXT this week. I don't want to say in its entirety because I gave it a little bit of the case of the fast forwards here and there. But I wanted to kind of see to the best of my abilities how the releases were handled. And just I wanted to get a lay of the land, if you will, of what NXT looks like currently. And uh, I, I generally at this point, like ever since they went to two point glow and I, I, I've given up on it, um, I, I will just turn it on and maybe fast forward, make sure Cora Jade's OK. And that's about it. Uh, but this episode, I watched all the little vignettes. I watched a little bit of the matches and I just want to real quick give you some bullet points. Uh, very early in the show, Wendy Chu uh, turned up at Mandy Rose's tanning salon where Mandy was getting a tan. And Wendy Chu turned the tanning bed up to its highest setting, turning Mandy Rose into basically a lobster. So that is uh, your opening vignette. Uh, You also have Indy Hartwell staring at her empty ring finger, kind of like forlorn and sad. Uh, No reference to why she's doing that. Uh, And then the guy who used to be the poker player came and like kind of hit on her. And uh, she was like, no way. So they're totally going to hook up. Uh, We had a promo with Roderick Strong, who totally definitely wants to still be there, leading the Diamond Mine now. And he's basically shit-talking the Creed Brothers. So I'm sure they're going to have the Creed Brothers destroy Roderick Strong to really teach him a lesson. Uh, We had a sit-down mob-style meeting between Legato Del Fantasma and Tony Pepperoni's crew. Uh, And Tony Pepperoni has a consigliere now. And uh, they reached a, a very tentative peace agreement because it's best for family business. We had a match between uh, Natalia and Lash Legend versus Cora Jade and Nikita Lyons. And that match was everything you, you would think that a match involving Lash Legend uh, would be. 
And uh, I'm pretty sure Cora Jade won, so good on her. Uh, now, in what is possibly one of the greatest segments of television to ever air, we had, once again, Wendy Chu and her friend terrorizing Toxic Attraction. This time, Gigi Dolan and the other non-Gigi Dolan went to the beach. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the, the Gigi Dolan and the other one went uh, out into the water you know, in full bikini was a lot of slow motion running. So kudos to the direction of that. And Wendy Chu and her friends stole not only Toxic Attractions flip-flops, but they also stole the car keys. So I'm like, oh, what are they going to do? Are they going to steal the car and make them walk all the way back to like the hotel on the hot concrete? Well, you're half right, Joe. They stole the car and moved it about 20 feet away. So yes, uh, Toxic Attraction does have to walk on the hot concrete, more like hop. Uh, and I appreciate the hopping, but uh, yes, the car was about 20 feet away and they had to walk on that. Uh, so uh, points for Wendy Chu and her friend. Uh, next up, we find out that Legato del Fantasma. Oh, there was a double cross, Joe. They took out Tony Pepperoni's consigliere. And uh, I really enjoy saying Tony Pepperoni consigliere. And uh, so that guy got taken out. So maybe the peace agreement is not actually true. And in our main event, we had Braun Breaker versus Joey Gacy, and I did not know that Braun, Be Braun Breaker, before he comes out to his match, actually flips a real breaker, Joe. I did not know this. Uh, so they have a match, Braun Breaker wins, and then Spooky Druids come out, as you said. The end. So that is your NXT recap. Do not expect this to become a weekly segment. <laughs> sounds, sounds like I'm missing a lot. Sounds like the show that I abandoned some seven months ago is doing fantastic. Yep. Um... <laughs> Now, I will say I do watch a lot of clips of NXT online. Uh, it's mostly uh, Latch Legend and Nikita Lions matches because <laughs> they're real funny. Um, I did watch the clip of uh, the bit with Indy, Hart uh, Indy Hartwell and uh, Duke Hudson. I still remember his name. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the funny Joe Gacy spooky segments I watch, you yeah. know. Didn't he used to be just like a right wing conspiracy? Not conspiracy. He guy, was no. Like he was that. a super woke. Oh, okay, but like, kind of like antagonistically, like, oh, I'm doing it like in your face type of deal, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I don't know how that became. I'm a serial killer with a rape dungeon. <laughs> Gradually, obviously. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> Bruce Bruce watched a Serbian film for the first time and said, "Hey, what if?" <laughs> now, granted, he only watched clips of it on YouTube. He didn't watch the entire movie, and it was in a different language and not subtitled. But he got the gist of it. In, listen, definitely no spectrox involved either. But uh, yeah, it's it's. I wonder how long we talked about deals and stuff. I wonder how long the NXT deal on USA is, and I wonder how quickly when that's over that it goes back to being a network Peacock exclusive and not being on an actual network so they can let these people learn how to fucking wrestling in peace. Yeah. Like, obviously, the information is probably out there. I just don't care enough to pay attention. Like, I I'm sure there's been a drop in ratings since they've gone to two-point glow, but, like, is it still getting better ratings than, like, an episode of, like, Law & Order? Like, a repeat, you know? <laughs> or some, whatever it is that they would put in that spot. Um, it, I, I guarantee it's not getting what they negotiated for. Like, whenever they signed the deal, they were probably 
you know, executing a certain amount of rating. So it's probably not making USA happy, but it's probably still better than other junk is what I'm getting at. Right. I, I think the ratings are pretty low. Huh. But I'm I'm still not going to watch. Yeah. Well, like I said, I'll keep checking in on certain talents, making sure they're okay. <laughs> I, I'm surprised that you uh, didn't just review the two Toxic Attraction segments. <laughs> well, I did rewatch them several times to make sure I didn't miss anything. Several times. Does YouTube have a slow motion feature? Does now. <laughs> All right. Last but not least, at least for me, uh, is apparently Freddie Prince Jr. is starting a wrestling promotion. <laughs> um, now, I'll say this. Uh, Freddie Prince Jr. is a lifelong fan of professional wrestling. Uh, he is a, He's formerly been on the writing team for World Wrestling Entertainment. He's even been in skits on WWE TV. If you remember, he might have been like a doctor in one of the like the weird Vince McMahon dream sequence things, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this came out of his plan, and everyone kind of memed it of what their version of wrestling was going to be, and everyone's was hilarious. If I didn't like all of them, I, it was just because there were too many jokes, and I was laughing too hard, and I couldn't like <laughs> jokes. You were catching your breath. You couldn't. yeah, yeah. Um, so plans to start in the next eighteen months. Wants a two-hour show, has the money for a three-year plan, which I, you know, uh, put a little check mark next to. Uh, Storylines based in reality, men and women given equal time, put a little check mark next to that. Uh, wants to own the space it's filmed in, uh, has no TV contract yet. Uh, pencil, little question mark next to that, and wants to be a SAG show. And I, I put like a big underline on that one, right? Okay. Uh, lots of good ideas, okay? Uh, he has the money, and he's willing to spend the money, and this is not my original idea. Um, and a lot of other people tweeted this out. Hey, Adam, do you know how to make a small fortune in wrestling? How, Joe? Start out with a large one. <laughs> um so there's a lot of people out there there's a lot of unsigned people um i have this tweet bookmarked if you listen to Longbox years after dark a couple of weeks ago i give a lesson on bookmarking <laughs> i'm gonna revisit this tweet in like 18 months to see how we're coming along with this yeah. um you know this could either be like pwg light which is what it probably is going to feel like since he's a West Coast guy and that's like the most heavily influential promotion on that coast. Um, could this be the Jeff Katz Wrestling Retribution Project? I certainly hope not. The key thing is the fact that he has money mm. and is willing to lose three years worth of money to run a wrestling promotion. Um, this was in my notes from last week. And I, I tell you, the listener of the show, and you, Adam, again, if you can fit it into your busy schedule, I know a lot of people don't like um, the greatest intercontinental champion of all time, um, one of the members of the Four <laughs> Horsemen, the NWO, uh, the Bullet Club, the last real outlaw in professional wrestling, Double J. Um, I recommend to you go and listen to any of the TNA episodes. And then I say, listen to them as much in chronological order as you can. 
to really see in 2002 to 2007 money how much money it takes to get a promotion with TV clearances off the ground. Mm-hmm. And then run those through one of those inflation calculator things that are online that says, well, in 2005, if Double J and his family were spending $30,000 a week just for the primetime spot on Fox Sportsnet of 3 o'clock on Fridays, <laughs> not including flying all the talent from Nashville to Orlando, not including paying the talent, not including production, not including everything else, just 30 grand a week for that time. And then you do your gazintas there and then you multiply whatever that is weekly. And that was only an hour show. So that's probably doubled inflation. And then it's a three-year plan. I'm going to guess Freddie Prince Jr. is looking to like just burn $10 million. (laughs) Yeah. And, Today I learned Freddie Prince Jr. has ten million dollars, right? <laughs> Actually, if, if if he's willing to burn ten, he's probably got twenty. Yeah. <laughs> um. That being said, I'm all for more wrestling. I because more wrestling promotions that come up is more opportunities for people that I know, people that I'm friends with, people in the business to get a, a paying gig in professional wrestling, be on TV. And if he's serious about getting these people listed as SAG after things. And it goes, like, getting them as SAG people, which means they get, like, union dues, which means they get insurance, which means they're guaranteed, like, certain working hours and certain working conditions. And all those things that come with being uh, a SAG-produced thing, that's going to be a game changer. That's going to be something that all the other TV products are going to have to do or possibly lose people. You know, like, no matter how nice an AEW contract is that you only work two times a week, if that, um, you know, it's light on travel, they're easy to do whatever with you, um, but the Freddie Prince Jr. promotion is going to get you in SAG, you know? Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of people have done a lot worse for a lot less to get into SAG. Um, (laughs) That's all I'm saying. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how that one shakes out in the next 18 months. Yeah, and plus it's another bell for Broski to win. Well, he <laughs> lost one of them. He needs to replace it, you know? Yeah. And I, obviously there's a lot of – you mentioned Impact, TNA. Like there's a lot of promotions that uh, like have a home base. And Freddie Prince says that he wants to own the space that's filmed at. You know, he wants to own the home uh, turf, so to speak. But for whatever reason, I just cannot get the image of Wrestling Society X out of my head. You know, sure. like, especially because it's like, oh, we're going to have everybody with the SAG card. You know, we're going to have real life storylines. Like, it just sounds like a gimmicky thing like Wrestling Society X. So, or Lucha Underground. And I don't know, whatever. I'm fine with it. If it happens, great. If it doesn't, I don't care. I'll forget about it after this show. Right. But that's all I have, Joe. Well, again, let's not let's not dilly dally. Let's move on to the next thing on the schedule here. It's Sammy Zane's kicking down to the ring. It's Kobe Kingston doing his thing. Ruby Soho. Beyond the show. Brian Danielson. No, no, no. Is it the big dog's yard? Let's find out. Does Joe know the 
you know, when I finally get around to releasing and selling the uh, official music of the soon to be named network CD and cassette, yeah, uh, I'm gonna need both the original version and the updated version. Uh, so can Cannon get those over to me, and uh, maybe I'll cut you in. <laughs> I keep everything, man. I got it all, and and David has them all up on a secret SoundCloud, so he's making oh. his money. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so if you know like the cheat code, you can listen to it there. Mm-hmm. All right, so Joe. This weekend, we have a premium live event, and that is (laughs) WrestleMania Backlash. And looking at Wikipedia, the most trusted source of all wrestling information, uh, I just started, when I was about to click on this, uh, Backlash 2021 was main evented by Roman Reigns versus Cesaro. So it's uh, interesting on how far things go a year. Right. But this year, WrestleMania Backlash has six announced matches according to wikipedia joe Joe, do you know the card i was in my mind for some reason was going to eight nope i don't know why it was going to eight but six unless something changes uh tomorrow on smackdown as of right now there are only eight six official matches okay so I know uh, main event is a six-man tag of the Usos and uh, Roman Reigns against Drew McIntyre and RK-Bro. That is correct. I know that there's another match in the card as well. There's at least five of them. There's at least five other matches <laughs> on the card. Uh, Edge versus AJ Styles with Damian Priest barred from ringside. That is correct. Okay. Uh, I don't like there to be this much dead air on the show. <laughs> have they announced officially Becky versus Asuka? They have not. Okay. They're probably saving that for a real pay per view. <laughs> Uh, Charlotte versus Ronda Rousey in a submissions match for the SmackDown ladies title. Uh, specifically an I quit match. I quit match. Okay. And what I'm sure will not at all be a lazy walkthrough of a match. Oh boy. <laughs> and, uh, that's all I got. Oh man. Yeah. What about, uh, the biggest sports entertainer in the history of wrestling, Cody Rhodes? Oh, Cody versus Seth. <laughs> Seth freaking Rollins. And, yeah. Joe, uh, again, if, if you're standing, I need you to sit down because these other two matches are going to put butts in the seats. All right. Bobby Lashley versus Omos. All right. And not to be outdone by that, like the mega powers are colliding, exploding, whatever. Happy Corbin versus Madcap Moss. <laughs> So, are we at the point yet where, when it's the weekend of a non-big four WF pay-per-view, we can call those shows a wash and, like, actually watch something good? Like, I don't think I'm... Like, looking at that card, um, if they announce Becky versus Asuka, I'll watch that. Yeah. Anything else, I'll just catch, like, the recaps and stuff that go up on YouTube. Yeah, if it was uh, Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns for the title, I would watch that. 
Yeah, but again, they're going to save that for a real pay-per-view. They're sure. not going to put it on Backlash. Yeah, like, or even, I'll be honest with you, if it was Usos versus RK-Bro and the tag titles were on the line, I would check that out just to see if the Bloodline gets the belts. Yeah. You know, but this match has no stakes. I don't know, you know, are they still protecting Roman? Is he injured still? I don't know what the reasoning for it. Or it could just be like you said, they just don't want to waste a good match on this pay-per-view. Right. Um. Yeah, so, like, this entire show is a skip for me as it stands right now. Um, can you believe, and I say this every single time we do does show another card, that there is a match. If you told 2020 or 2019 Adam that I was about to watch AJ Styles versus Edge, and I was going to be like, nah, I'll pass. Like, can you believe how ridiculous that would sound to us three, four years ago? Yeah. But now I'm like, yeah, no, nah, I have zero interest in seeing that. So this uh, got bumped uh, from last week because of all the shit that was going on with women's wrestling last week. But I know why the Edge thing isn't working, right? Okay. Uh, And I may have made this reference before. Um, Do you know the comedian Alonzo Jones? I do not. Alonzo Jones is a comedian who wears a cowboy hat. Okay. And the punchline, like... He tells his he tells his joke, uh, setup punchline, and every joke is tagged with him saying hamburger. Okay, I know that for some reason. Okay, <laughs> so the problem is he's got a lot of gimmicks going on, right? Yes. Now, if he just had the cowboy hat, I'm with you. <laughs> if he just said hamburger, I'm with you. The problem with Edge is he's spooky. He's also always been spooky. He also, like, has a stable that's the brood, but not the brood. He also cuts, like, long-winded promos up until this week that they didn't have in front of a live crowd because they needed a pipe in the booze. But he also cuts, like, local sports teams and fat and toothless stuff. It's too many heel gimmicks all topped on top of each other, and that's why none of them are working. Pick one. Pick one and go with that one. Right? <laughs> I'm just popping at Edge saying hamburger. Right. <laughs> now, again, if he comes out on the Raw after Backlash and he's wearing a cowboy hat, I'm like, okay, I'm back in. Uh, to just go back to something you said before where you're like, oh, can we just go ahead and skip uh, these pay-per-views that mean nothing? Uh, and and I, I assume you mean to... To go ahead and do homework during those weeks? Yeah. Hell no. All right. <laughs> these are my these are my weekends off, Joe. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So uh, honestly, there's there's nothing on here that's compelling. The the uh, what do they say? The the bloom has fallen off the rose on Cody Rhodes. I have no desire to see him anymore. I uh, watch his I watch his promos and I watch him on like the the raw like talk or whatever. Cause I love I love watching Cody try to imitate how humans act. It's <laughs> I love it. It's it's amazing, right? He's a very pedestrian wrestler, you know, the three star general and stuff. But there was a bit uh, on Raw Talk. Is that what the like the post show that's on YouTube is called? Let's say yes. Okay, where he's interviewed by the Irish guy who's a backstage interviewer, right? Uh, Drew Gulak. No, that's on, <laughs> other, that's on SmackDown. This is an Irish guy. Um, and then when, like, Cody, like, starts, like, trying to be personable to him, 
And he's like, oh, you have an accent. Where are you from? And he's like, Ireland. He's like, oh, where in Ireland are you from? And then they just like, I'm supposed to be promoting this this match with Seth Rollins, but now I'm trying to show you that I'm a human by like having an actual conversation with the interview man. And now I got to go back to like promoting a match. And somebody else pointed this out and Cody mentioned it in his promo. And uh, the deal with Miz and Austin Theory and Mustafa Ali, right? Uh, where uh, Austin Theory comes out and he says that he spoke to Vince and we don't see Vince on TV anymore after he expended all of his human life force at <laughs> WrestleMania. They have to put him back in the hyperbaric chamber to che- charge him back up for SummerSlam. The tank. They put him in the yeah. back to tank. <laughs> oh, you know, if anyone has a back to tank, it's Vince. Um, so he's Austin Theory says that he talked to Vince and Vince had, from the previous week's Raw, uh, the loss that The Miz had against Mustafa Ali stricken from his record. Do wins and losses mean something again in WWE and nobody told me? Dude, how great would it be if, and only Cody, but if Cody came out and it said, like, 2022 record, overall <laughs> WWE record. <laughs> he just lifted everything from his <laughs> AEW run and brought it over here. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but you know what? I, and that's the thing. Cody being human, I'll be watching the the Broken Skull session thing, you know? Yeah. I think that's this weekend with him and uh, rock art Johnny Austin. And I'll say this. Anytime anyone tweets out the meme with Austin acting all surprised in regards to the interviews, and you know the meme because they're all different, those I'll like because those are actually funny. Yeah. And I saw Austin and Cody recreating the uh, Cody listening gif on Twitter. (laughs) (sighs) All right, Joe. Well, you know what? Enough of this terrible wrestling. Let's talk about some good wrestling. And that's the homework I assigned you. Homework. Homework. An obligation you owe your family and yourself. Home, home, homework. Homework, it's an obligation you owe your family and yourself. So, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> so, Joe, your homework this week was Nightmare Factory Showcase, Episode 5. Uh, maybe the last one, maybe just the fifth in a long, long, long line of Nightmare Factory showcases. We do not know. For all I know, they could have a hundred of these in the can, and we could just have content for years and years. We shall see. Um, go ahead and read the review that our friend Mass Library put up on Twitter. Uh, I might have broken him on this one. Uh, this was, as far as he's concerned, the worst of the Nightmare Factory showcases. But uh, we'll see what Joe thinks. Yeah, so um, Kevin, you can go read his rundown of this over at masklibrary.com. He says, I don't know who's to blame for this week's assignment, right? (laughs) Yeah, Um, I didn't get that line. (laughs) Yeah, I think I know who to blame. Um, But so here's here's the thing there, right? Was this show good? No. Was this show bad? In parts. (laughs) <laughs> um, was this the worst of the five Nightmare Factory showcases that we've watched? Yes. But it wasn't because of the in-ring product. 
it's because of how lazy they've gotten with the production. Oh, yeah, it's so bad. So um, this is supposedly filmed, you know, and it's not officially an AEW thing, but there's a lot of AEW people involved. Cody before he left, QT Marshall, um, so on and so forth. You know, there was Nightmare Factory showcases where we had, like, Dark Order people showing up. And, you know, we had Negative One showing up. And we had all this other stuff happening on these shows, right? They had enough people showing up for these camps that they were able to do, like, multiple tag matches, a women's match, and a battle royal. I think the bloom is off the rose with people signing up for these. Yeah. So that's why I think they're kind of getting shittier and shittier. Um, But it's more so the production. So this was a three-camera shoot. And I know it's a three-camera shoot because if you watch, on the left-hand side of the screen, there was a guy filming uh, who was standing on the apron the entire time, and they never used his footage the entire show. (laughs) And there was also a guy on the the ground on the right side that was filming, and maybe once a match you'd get five seconds of his footage. Right. So this is an old non-Smart Mark video mid-2000s indie that essentially just set up their hard cam and hoped for the best. Yeah. And the hard cam, for whatever reason, was like it was sitting in a chair at ringside. So it was like looking up at the ring, which is a weird angle. I'd rather you have an extreme look down than like an angle that's that low. Or something to make it look different, at least, you know? Different good, not different bad. Yeah. Um, And my theory, just as far as the footage goes, is... It seemed like, you know, when it did cut to the hand cam footage, it was a lot of folk. Well, actually, when it wasn't recording the ground or the guy was running around the ring to get in position uh, that wasn't edited out for some reason. But it seemed like the hand cam footage was focusing on one guy. And the only thing I could think of was one of these guys is recording one wrestler and the other one's recording the other one so that they can use it to, like, get better and look at their film. But even that's a stretch, you know? Yeah. I, I think the guy on the apron who they never used his footage of, either they fucked it up and it was unusable footage, or he was just pretending to film and they never put actual, like, a tape in the camera. <laughs> or it's like, you know, when you're playing, like, your little brother in Super Mario Brothers and you give him the controller that's not plugged in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? uh, and just one other thing as far as production goes. I know we like to... Uh, you know, gentle ribbings towards the commentary on these shows. Uh, I could not hear the commentary to criticize it. Thank you. You beat me to that. So I wrote down uh, because I had to do this because on this YouTube video, like many YouTube videos, you could put closed captioning on. And I did this because obviously it was Glacier, uh, but his uh, podcast partner was Jesse Jordan, not Jordan Jesse Go. Um, And I had to pick that up from the closed captioning because I would say for 85% of the show, the commentary was inaudible. You could not hear what they were saying. The crowd was louder. The bumps in the ring were louder. Now, granted, the entrance music wasn't louder. The entrance music and the commentary were on the same track, which was very low. Everything else was on a different track, which was very high. Yeah. Well, maybe by the 10th show, they'll get it together. Nah, I doubt it. (laughs) <laughs> we'll, right. we'll find out. So let's get to the show itself. Um, so the opening match is Liam Cross versus Matt Honey. And I do want to say this just so I'm not hitting it every time. One positive to the show. Um, always 
every match could have had like two minutes shaved off, but every <laughs> match was between eight and nine minutes. Yeah. Nothing overstayed its welcome, but everything could have had like a minute or two cut out. Um, I liked Matt Honey's look. I liked that he had a nice presentation jacket. And I also liked that his mom was there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we do a bit where um, Liam Cross, um, he did like a knee lift, right? He did like a running Mr. Wrestling 2 slash 99 Lazy Raven knee lift that looked really good. Uh, so I won't rag on him too much for um, his back elbows in the corner looking real shitty. <laughs> Uh, so there's a bit where, uh, Matt Honey makes his comeback, right? You know? Yeah. He's the baby face of the match, and he goes to pull the straps down, and he kind of gets caught in his own straps, and I'm not gonna give him shit for that, right? Uh-huh. But then he goes and he hits his big move on the guy, and they're close to the ropes, and he goes for the cover, and as he's going for the cover before the referee comes down, he pushes his opponent's leg onto the rope for him to break up the pin. Okay, yeah. Um, so again, maybe poor ring awareness by Liam Cross, uh, better ring, uh, awareness by Matt Honey. Uh, Matt Honey gets the win with a jackhammer, which is like one of like several jackhammers on the show. <laughs> if you remember the last Nightmare Family show, like everyone did the Danielson Busaiko knees, uh, this show, everyone was doing the jackhammer. <laughs> it, it was the move that they were training on the last day of training. <laughs> you know, right. When you get a word of a day calendar, you got to work it into your, your vocabulary. <laughs> right. Um, so uh, this match was fine. Again, these are two, you know, whatever. Cody told us at the beginning that he didn't say everyone is having their first match. But these are a lot of guys that are having their first match or guys that have been wrestling for like less than three years. So, again, it's tough to rag on them, but, again, the presentation did them no favors. Absolutely. Uh, so, next up, we have JDX versus Dr. Asa, who's not my son. <laughs> it's uh, your son from the future. My son from the future, who is an, a 50-year-old man. <laughs> Joe, in my notes, the only thing I have here to tell me who's who is it says JDX versus Dr. Asa, and in parentheses, old. <laughs> So I'll say this, uh, JDX had a good look, yep. right? Uh, he had the best gear on the show of anyone. Uh, most notably, the vest that he came out wearing, and it had JDX on the vest in the same font as the logo from the Martin Lawrence TV show, Martin. Okay. I didn't that, gets, that. that gets pluses for me, and he did a really good job of doing his best with Dr. Asa, who gets the win in this match. Yeah, JDX was definitely bumping around. Uh, Aso was very immobile. You know, he had a couple furies with some punches. And as far as JDX's gear and his look, he's the only guy on this show that doesn't look like he's, like, attending fantasy wrestling camp, you know? We're going to come back to that at the end of the conversation, at the end of the review on this, right? Gotcha. All right. So next up, we have the American Ninja, Ryan Dodson. Taking on the Don. The Don of all Dons, Adam. Yep. And if you didn't watch this show, I'm going to paint a picture for you, everyone listening at home, so you know what the Don looks like, right? The Don is wearing a, a weightlifting belt that says the Don on it. He comes out and cuts a long, rambling promo that goes nowhere. Uh, he's wearing a scarf as well. 
Um, and he also has MJF's haircut. <laughs> but he's like MJF, like a hundred pounds lighter, let's say. Yeah. Uh, so you can he certainly wears his influences on his sleeve, if you will. Um, Ryan Dodson's very athletic. And you have to be to be uh, a guy who goes and competes on American Ninja Warrior. I did not go and look up his thing on American Ninja Warrior, but I'm going to guess he didn't win because they would have said that he won American Ninja Warrior, not competed in American Ninja Warrior. Um, Ryan Dodson wins with a handspring cutter, uh, which was the second most move used move on the show behind the jacket. <laughs> Yeah, and I just have a couple notes because I know you are a big fan of certain things during promos. Yes. And uh, I, I wrote down a couple sentences here from the Don's promo. And he said, at the end of the day, uh. when the rubber hits the road, at the end of the day. Because <laughs> he, he wanted to hammer home that at the end of the day thing. He brought that in twice. Um, I like the fact that the Don is maybe like six foot and like 200 pounds. And like, nah, I'd say that, he's like he's maybe like pushing one seventy. Yeah, one seventy. I think they build him as two hundred pounds, but like he's like a foot and a half taller than Dodson, and uh, so just want to throw that out there for for perspective. And Joe, I, I don't know uh, if you've noticed, this is the the third match in a row where the baby face has won. Right. Hopefully, uh, hopefully they'll mix it up a little bit as we go along. Uh, so next up. We have Beast from the East, not Bam Bam Bigelow, taking on Ezio Orlandi. That's Ezio for you to say. Ah. Um, Beast from the East was definitely not good. Uh, there's a part of the match where Ezio Orlandi gives him a drop kick, and he's supposed to like do the bump over the top rope, you know? Mm. And he kind of gets like stuck and then it's like a three Mississippi after he's taken like a step or two away from the ropes and then he just like crawls to the outside yeah and now uh, you you mentioned production I'll, I sorry to interrupt here so obviously production is terrible the entire show but when the beast from the east comes out of the little entrance tunnel the curtain whatever I said to myself I was like holy shit they actually have like a legitimate big guy because it was just shot from like a lower perspective that I was fooled for a minute. Yes. And then he gets in the ring and like his, his chest is up to the top rope. And I'm like, Oh man, that's an optical illusion. I thought this guy was seven foot tall. And then obviously his opponent, Ezio is like maybe five, eight and commentary is talking about how these are just two giant bulls that are going after each other. Now listen, the Indies these days, if you're, if you're <laughs> listen, if the if the boar could get away with being six foot five and we've convinced him that he could say that he's nearly seven feet tall, <laughs> listen, I say that's good enough, right? Yep. <laughs> um so th and I didn't mention it as much in the previous match because at least the Don of all Dons had a custom weight belt that said the Don on it. Uh -huh. uh, this is the beginning of everyone starting to wear uh off the rack wrestling gear that says under armor on it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's fine. All right. I'm into your work. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, next a up, we. Oh, go ahead. A, a wise man once said he can only control three things your physique, your attitude, and your gear. No, no, no. Kevin Nash said it's all about the money and the miles. I don't know who oh. you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. I don't know who it was. <laughs> so, next up, we have. 
Pedro Pablo taking on Tony Vincentia? Vincita? Uh, Vincita. Okay. Uh, so Pedro Pablo comes out. He's got a nice presentation robe. He's got a crown that he's wearing that falls off when he gets into the ring and he no-sells it. Now, I know Kevin gave him a lot of shit for his promo, but I will say this. He's not a native English speaker as a motorcycle drives by my house, and I don't care. <laughs> um, he's not a native English-speaking person, so his English was a little suspect. But I thought he did a perfectly acceptable promo. I think it was a perfectly passable Pedro Pablo promo. Right. I will say, though, uh, for a good uh, majority of this match, and I don't know if it was the fact that Pedro Pablo was wearing white tights, my boy, or the fact that he was very excited to be wrestling as part of the Nightmare Family Showcase, but for a good portion of the match, it looked like he was wrestling with a boner. (laughs) Well, Vincita was, like, jacked, so, you know. Right. Whatever you're into. Uh, so Vincita wins, but Pedro Pablo attacks him, um, only to bring out Satnam Singh, uh, the big star on AEW TV, going after Samoan Joe for the television title, uh, comes out and attacks Pedro Pablo, and the commentators didn't know this person's name. Yeah, they're like, oh, this young man, huh? <laughs> and, like, he choke slams uh, Pedro Pablo. And, like, okay, like, he picked him up and slammed him down pretty stiff. But whatever, you know, little guy, he could take it. Uh, but then he sat in him saying, pronouns, pal, sat in him, like, labored to get Pedro up in a powerbomb. Oh, yeah, I was, I was, uh, I was concerned. It looked like things were going to go sideways on that powerbomb. Yeah, like, th- this dude's, like, 100 pounds, and uh, you're struggling to get, get this guy up. That was scary. And Joe, just uh, in case you're keeping score, the fifth in a row babyface win on this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so next up, we have a tag team match of Guillermo Rosas and Lesnar Guerrero <laughs> taking on the team of KJ Impala and Fabio Pardo. Um. If I, I, I if I wanted to go back and list, watch this match with the uh, closed captioning on again, I don't think Glacier knew who was who on the babyface team. Yeah. He kept calling them the same name interchangeably. <laughs> um, this was a standard run-of-the-mill tag team independent match. Nothing special. Nothing out of the ordinary. The babyfaces win with uh, Gallows and Anderson's finisher. Magic killer. Magic killer, whatever the fuck it's called. (laughs) Um, And again, not bad, but nowhere near being good. Yeah. Uh, As you said, the sixth match in a row where the babyfaces win. And I did not steal this joke from Mass Library. I had this in my notes. But one of the baby faces, I don't know which one, I just have in my notes, receding hair bandito. Uh, he, he went to the same back tattoo artist as Icarus. So. Aww. <laughs> That's a double awe. <laughs> uh, so then we have the main event of Nightmare Factory Showcase Standout. And I saw people that lie to themselves and say that these are good say that he's almost like the final boss of these shows. <laughs> Dean Alexander 
uh, accompanied to the ring by raffle winner J.W. Kirkland <laughs> taking on Cody Chun. Um, now, this was supposed to be, like, they called it as an even match, but this was more or less just, like, a Dean Alexander squash, and then there being, like, miscommunication with, like, the manager trying to throw in the loaded fanny pack, speaking of Icarus, getting intercepted by the referee, trying to do the powder in the eyes gimmick, that backfiring on the heels, and then Cody Chun, who we'll be speaking about here shortly, uh, delivering a Cody Cutter for the win. Yeah, I, I have here that at one point Kirkland accidentally threw a bag of Coke into the face of Dean, allowing the American Nightmare student Cody Chun the win. <laughs> so I knew oh, I knew. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, and also the seventh match is the seventh babyface win. A clean sweep, Joe. Good. I'm glad. This is the way that it, this is the way that you build, uh, you know, heat and things. And I don't know what the hell you're doing. <laughs> uh, so uh, I knew I knew Cody Chun from somewhere, right? Oh, what did he do? No, no, no. It's good. So Cody Chun is like a, a Midwest or a Midwest, a West Coast guy wrestling primarily in like the Pacific Northwest. Um, he's done a bunch of matches on Dark, actually. Going back to December of 2020, but you'd say to my, you'd say to yourself, self, I I know who Cody Chung. I, I that's a recognizable name. I would recognize that. Well, he wrestles on there under the name of Sothira Chun because okay. we can't have two Codys in the company. <laughs> this is a <laughs> company have... where there's six people oh. that have the last name Page. There's seven people that have the first name Adam, but we can only have one Cody. Because there may be more than one royal family. Wrestling may have more than one royal family, Adam. But wrestling can only have one Cody. Holy shit. That is that is very fascinating and telling. <laughs> uh, it was pointed out to me in between Cody leaving AEW and joining uh, World Wrestling Entertainment that they changed this kid's name because of Cody's departure. And then I went, I did some digging, and I saw matches of him wrestling under that name only in AEW back to December of 2020. Uh, so, again, like I said, definitely not a thing of, like, we can't have anyone on our TV named Cody anymore. It's, we can only have one Cody on our TVs. I say, next time he does Dark, he goes back to being Cody. <laughs> and they just have him be on, like, AEW Dark as Cody. He gets a shitty neck tattoo. <laughs> He gets the uh, elevator. Yeah, yeah. Give him one of Cody's jackets he left behind that might be a little bit like too long or the wrong size. Right. Just the whole Gilbert thing going on. But he's he's actually not bad. I've seen him. I looked up a bunch of his other matches. He's primarily a tag team wrestler uh, out on the West Coast, but he's he's pretty good. Um, he didn't really get to do much in this match. I felt as though this match was a disservice to what this kid could actually do. Yeah. Uh, obviously. Just and I'll give you your final thoughts in a second, but I do miss, and I, they haven't been around for a while, and by a while, I mean I think the last episode was the first one to, to get rid of it, but I miss the people whose check cleared Battle Royal. Yeah, They used to end every show. That was always interesting, like for a car crash quality. Um, but yeah, so two shows in a row without one of those. Uh-huh. So I'll just finish it by saying this. Um, you know, we talked about the Dr. Asa match where essentially this is, your rock and roll camp thing. Yeah. You know, where fantasy you go camp. and you, yeah, fantasy camp, right? 
So I think that's what these need to do. They need to go away from taking actual independent talent and getting people like with zero experience, run them through a 12 week course to have a match and put them in there with someone that could carry them to a halfway decent match. Or like they get to team with Dustin Rhodes to take on like, you know, Aaron Solo and fucking QT Marshall or something. Right. Yeah. And, and like, oh, God. And they get to like they get to do like a double like clothesline spot with Dustin or they get to like get the hot like they get to do the hot tag and come in and do like shitty clotheslines to QT and Aaron Solo or something. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because they have enough people under AEW contract that they're not doing anyone with anything with. This is local in Atlanta. Just turn it into a pro wrestling fantasy camp. How about like it's basically like tough enough where you film it as a reality show and you film them being trained. But instead of like dangling that carrot of we're looking for like people that have the heart, you know, and the desire to become a WWE superstar, you're just looking for people who paid to be there. And like, so like for every guy who's like always had the dream of becoming a professional wrestler, you just have another, like a wall street banker that had like a couple grand to spend and you film them being trained and then you get the final product. Yeah, there's they, they need to reposition or like reevaluate what these Nightmare Family Factory showcases are. Yeah, like as an indie show, it's it's not you know what it should be. It's not a very watchable, uh, which is why I will continue to watch them. But <laughs> uh, definitely, I think they could tinker with this and do like a, a fantasy camp deal or reality show or whatever. Yeah, there's definitely something there. Uh, just this this isn't it anymore, right? Yeah. Plus, uh, I don't know how yours was. I think you probably have a gimmick where you don't get these, but like I get multiple ads per match. So like my on YouTube. So this hour and 27 long show took almost two hours to watch, which is unacceptable on the first hand because like multiple times I'd come back from a commercial and a guy wouldn't even hit his move and I'd get another commercial and they were all like fucking Trump people like it was all like i'm like i love donald trump and the next guy would be like no i love him more and that was just every commercial i got so i don't know how the the algorithm thinks that that's something i want to say yeah they need to fix that all right yeah you need need an ad blocker yeah uh all right let's get into uh calls huh all right all right first up Dwayne. Hey guys, this is Dwayne in Missouri calling in with my weekly SmackDown time. Um, it's remarkable that the theme this week was beat the clock because they did. Um, total time, 16.52, and I can't tell you a single segment that I watched. Um, I just zipped through and paused for a few seconds here and there to see what was going on. Uh, we have a new internet company here in town, and I'm hoping if we sign up with them, I have access to something else. Chat with you next week. Bye. <laughs> so I talked about this last week that I wanted to do some kind of like film of me watching SmackDown. Yeah. So I I put SmackDown on. I took my phone and I held it up. I hit record. I hit play on SmackDown. And then I started fast forwarding. But like my arm was getting tired. <laughs> And I think my stomach growled a couple times and I was like, oh, that was definitely caught on audio. So I deleted it. But I the the effort was there. (laughs) So uh, I watched 
nothing of SmackDown this week. Um, Mike, we I had no podcast to record or anything like that. We were all home, so we ended up watching the Ryan Reynolds film Free Guy. Oh, what a delight, Ryan Reynolds. Uh huh. Those. Are... Um, maybe I should have watched SmackDown instead. <laughs> uh, but I it, like we were done watching the movie. Everybody went to bed. I'm like, oh, Rampage is on. I'll watch Rampage live as it's happening, right? Yeah. And then I looked at like all the YouTube thumbnails for SmackDown, and I'm like, I have no interest in any of this. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, my uh, my SmackDown this week was a big squadoosh zero. Nice. Do you ever see those novelty candles you can get where like they put somebody's face on like a saint, where it's like, oh, I can get like, you know, here's you know the Rock as a saint on one of those candles. Yeah, I've seen like a Macho Man one, maybe. Yeah. One of my employees for Christmas this year got me a Ryan Reynolds one of those. And it's in my living room. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Did you piss him off or something? Or? Oh, no. It was one of the greatest gifts I ever got. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> great, great. Uh, next call. Hello, Edard. It's Austin MacArthur here. Good old Artie. Well, today is May 4th, and it's the Star Wars Day. This has nothing to do with wrestling, so feel free to ignore this call if you don't want to talk about this Star Wars. But, uh, you know, I'm from a bygone era. I like my old non-talky movies and all of that. But, you know, Chuck Stone convinced me to have a marathon and watch all nine movies, not including the side ones, in a row. And I have to tell you, why does everyone hate The Phantom Menace? I don't get it. You've got great racing in the desert. You have a really awesome villain with two, count of two, lightsabers. And you got a great performance from that man with the green lightsaber, Qui-Gon Jinn. You know, Austin MacArthur loves the Phantom Menace. And anyone who says otherwise, I don't know. Well, what do you guys think? Do you even watch Star Wars? And um, your rankings, I'll go fast. I'll do it off the top of my head. Um, five, four, six, three, uh, one, seven, two, eight, nine. Boom. What about you? Yes, this has nothing to do with wrestling, and I probably wasted everybody's time. But, uh, you know, got to mix it up for Star Wars Day and all that. Anyway, that's all I have. You guys have a great day, and uh, may the force or whatever the hell it is be with y'all. <laughs> Well, uh, for some for someone who loves the prequels so much, he has them ranked pretty low on the list. I'll just say that. Yeah. Uh, right now, uh, no spoilers, but I believe Artie is a member of Team Dom Greeny in the AIW Cybernetico that I have to hopefully watch soon after this recording. Yeah. Well, make a note for yourself. We're going to talk about that afterwards. Oh, all right. I'm going to that down. Um. So I, I'll just talk for myself. Uh, I grew up loving Star Wars. So, like, I, I'm, despite the fact that myself and Arthur MacArthur are technically the same person, I am on paper older than him. So, like, uh-huh. I went to see The Phantom Menace in theaters when I was in high school, and I was super, super pumped. Like, I was like, this is going to be amazing, you know, like everybody who, you know, remembers that era. So, like, coming out of the, the movie theaters, I don't think I hated it because I was like, this is great. This is another Star Wars movie, and I love Star Wars. 
I think it took time and it might have also been the, whatever that phenomenon is where like everybody convinces you it's bad. So you like you start to think that it's bad. But obviously the Jar Jar shit and the, the podcast or podcasting. Yeah, podcasting's bad. What? <laughs> Pod racing. Um, all that stuff is bad. Um, but if I had to rank, I'm not going to do them by the number because I was not able to follow anything that Artie said when he gave him numbers. I just know um, one, two, and three were real low on the list. Yeah. Um, I could just say that of the prequels, I like the third one the best, uh, whatever that one was. Uh, of the original series, I like Empire the best. This is a series of down endings, as they say in Clerks. And uh, for the the the, the final trilogy, uh, I like the first one. I thought the first one of the new trilogy was really good, and I think it went downhill from there. So uh, I think a lot of what the issue with uh, Phantom Menace is, and yes, thank you, Artie, for your call, as always. Um, so first of all, I'm attempting to raise my child right that he doesn't know that there are Star Wars prequel films. That he just knows that there's the three from the 80s, uh, the three more recent ones, plus the two side ones, Solo and Rogue One, right? Yeah. Um, he doesn't know that there's three other ones. Um, those are bad movies, those three movies. Don't kid yourself otherwise. Um, when Phantom Menace came out, it was the first new Star Wars anything that we had had in 17 years. So everyone went in with very high expectations and very high hopes, and they watched this. And they want to like it. And yeah. there's good bits in there. But I would say like 25% of that movie is good. The rest is very, very bad. Like not even like uh, passable bad. Like just very, very bad. Flying in the face of anything that had been set up previously. They attempt to set stuff up in that movie. Like with midichlorians and shit. That they immediately give up on afterwards, right? Yeah. Um. Now... I don't like um, Revenge of the Sith or Attack of the Clones either. I think both those movies are bad as well. Um, those, they made a lot of money and whatever it is, but those two movies kind of were the precursor to your big action movies that are done bad, which just tons of CGI going on and you really can't follow a lot of the action. Mm. Uh, I will say this, there is a cut that exists out there uh, and I've probably told this story on other podcasts, but I'll just tell this here of Attack of the Clones that is less than two hours long, where they cut out all the love story stuff. Now, this isn't some sort of fan edit. This isn't some sort of like mashup on YouTube or whatever it is. You have to remember when these movies came out, when this movie came out in 2002, we're old, Adam. Um, <laughs> IMAX, for the most part, was mostly just used for like National Geographic type movies. Yeah, Attack of the Clones was the first movie movie that was going to be shown in IMAX. And at the time, movies were on a thing called film. <laughs> okay? Yeah. And at the time, those films, especially like at a multiplex type thing, right? Those films would be put not on reels, but they would be put on platters, okay? Where you would get like the six reels or whatever it is to the movie theater, and then they would put it all together on one giant platter, okay? And then they would string that platter to the next platter to the next platter to the next platter so they didn't have to, let's say, Phantom Menace or whatever is shown on four screens in the theater. They didn't have to send four prints. 
They would send one print and they would just string it to those other platters, right? Yep. The problem was the IMAX platters only fit two hours worth of film. Phantom Menace clocked in at two hours and 20 minutes. So this was the first time that George Lucas allowed his movie to be edited by someone other than himself for a theatrical thing. And the IMAX people took out all the love story stuff. A friend of mine went to go see it in IMAX the same weekend that I went to go see it at the regular Jamoke Theater. And I came in and I'm like, this movie sucked. The love story <laughs> stuff, fucking Hayden Christensen can't act. Um... You know, your skin is, cor- you know, your skin's not coarse like sand. If Obi-Wan knew I was doing this, he'd be grumpy, all this shit. And he's like, what the fuck are you talking about? I go, <laughs> it's in the fucking movie. He goes, not the version I watched. And again, <laughs> so it's early, to th- it's 2002 internet. I go look it up and I find the stories about this. And I'm like, motherfucker, I want to see that version of the movie now, right? Yeah, no, Definitely. And my brother was one of those guys. He was much more into Star Wars than I was. That like I'm really into Star Wars. I love Star Wars. I grew up with Star Wars. Star Wars was released in theater the week before I was born. The first Star Wars, New Hope, whatever you kids fucking call it, right? Yeah. So like I grew up with Star Wars, and I watch all the Star Wars stuff. I know all the Star Wars stuff. I've played all the Star Wars games. I used to have the, you know, like I know like the background characters and the cantina's names and shit, right? Yeah. But. The prequels kind of beat a lot of that out of a lot of people. I still consider myself a Star Wars fan, even though I may not follow everything as deep as everyone else does. And I need to get you already in touch with uh, my friend Yuma out on the West Coast. He regularly wrestles for NWA, amongst other things. He is an unabashed prequel lover. He (laughs) likes the prequels more than any other Star Wars movies. So you two need to talk. Uh, he's one half of the tag team, the Rock Nest Monsters. Um, and then you guys, you, uh, bulking season with Chuck Stone. And I forget his partner's name, and I feel bad that I don't know, but his actual partner is actually, like, born and raised in Scranton. Anyway, <laughs> then, like, do a bit in the match where, like, you argue over, like, oh, the prequels are better, whatever it is. And then Artie and Yuma become a new pro-prequel tag team during the match. And Chuck <laughs> Stone and the other guy become the anti-prequels team. And then everybody comes back together at the end of the match. That that I can I can see that happening. And Artie, just one more thing, or for anybody else leaving voicemails, don't ever apologize for leaving a non-wrestling uh, yeah. voicemail. Yeah, I, I I prefer those. And uh, uh, Joe, we should probably move on. We are making good time as long as nobody goes and gives like two long voicemails. We should be okay. Well, I do have two calls here from the same person coming up. Here's the first one from uh, Kevin Hellions. Hello, gentlemen. Kevin here. Um, possibly the first call of, let's see how many. I know, I know. Uh, one, boy, goofing around for that call last week, and uh, after Joe's rant earlier in the episode, which we're, I, I agree with you, and uh, totally understood where you're coming from with it and everything, but boy, that's a poorly timed call on my part. So let's try to be a little smarter this week uh, and talk about women. So there's some WWE releases. Uh, I got a feeling Joe probably talked about Malcolm's release. And I was upset the most, uh, nothing against Malcolm or anyone else, but I was upset the most about Dakota Kai. Now, uh, it seemed like depending on what you read and uh, maybe Dakota said uh, she just wasn't going to do a new contract. Uh, possibly Malcolm said the same thing as well. Now we're seeing Roderick Strong is asking for his release. So there is a difference between 
being just blindsided, gotten rid of, and saying, hey, I'm good here. And for someone like Malcolm, Dakota Kai, a few others, if if you're in NXT for three years, give or take, and nothing's happening, why not leave? I totally agree with it. Why not leave and say, okay, I'm not on Raw or SmackDown yet. I don't think I'm going to be. I only have a certain amount of years that I can do this. Let me go somewhere else then. And I kind of hope that was the case with Dakota. She's like, you haven't made me champ, even though you should have many times. You haven't called her up to Raw or SmackDown, even though you should have many times. And honestly, for me, I think Dakota could have been like a huge baby face and an icon, one for the injuries, two for everything she's gone through, three her character keeps evolving. The Dakota Kai that started in NXT and where she was when she left is not the same one. But also, assuming that um, assuming that she is in the personal relationship that we all believe her to be, throw that. I mean, if they wanted to, but throw that out there on Front Street and have her be an icon to lots of kids that need one. Have her be a strong. LBGT presence on a major platform and she would be either be posters for her in kids rooms and teenagers around the country around the world maybe how do you miss the opportunity how do you miss so many opportunities um if the spider-man comic is bad it doesn't mean that spider-man sucks it means the writer sucks but we don't see the writers release okay rant number one talk to you guys later so I think we covered a lot of what Kevin said there. Um, you know, obviously no speculation regarding anyone's personal relationships. I don't know how much that's out there, but either way, um, Kevin does make a lot of good points. I definitely think that Dakota Kai is maybe too smart for WWE, if that makes mm. any sense. <laughs> that's uh, probably not hard. Yeah. <clears throat> not these days. It's not. No. No. Uh, so let's move on to Kevin's other call. Other call. Call number two, Kevin. Okay, the second thing for the past week here is the homework. Now, again, I don't know whose idea this was. Terrible. <laughs> what? Terrible. And in my write-up, I did not hold back. Flat up said what I thought of it, what I thought was awful. Didn't hold back. Now, last week's homework with the AIW show, Joe was making various points about... Uh, Things there, things that you like, things that you didn't like, and harsher on some of the things that I was, and and even you know some of it we just have different opinions on. Some stuff you enjoy, I don't, or you know I enjoy you don't. That's cool, cool. That's you know just enjoying any medium. But then there are things I'm like, okay, I kind of agree, and that wasn't that good a spot. That wasn't that good a thing. Maybe this went a little longer. Just the stuff you've said over time here for various shows. But for AIW, for example, just look at when I posted that article last week. So uh, Wadsworth liked it. Um, Isaiah Broner liked it. Uh, Derek liked it. Um, you know, all these people liking it all the way up to John Thorne. So I know the people that I'm talking about could possibly be reading this. And I've never been in the ring. I don't have a place to say so. I've never even announced like Joe has and has a uh, first-hand experience of wrestling like that. So I don't feel like I'm qualified or 
or could get away with saying certain things, but also I'm not going to say it to someone that might read it as well. I'm not an asshole on the internet. I'm not a troll. So I'm not going to shit on someone's matches in AIW when there's a chance they might read it. I might do a constructive criticism, but I'm not going to be a dick. However, the Nightmare Factory one, I don't care because none of them are going to ever see it. I don't know any of them. Chances are, you know, they won't cross any of our paths or the show's path. But I'm wondering for you guys, the more and more wrestlers that you know or that you've met or anything, like, are you holding back? Do you hold back? Do you just let it go? Like, where, where's the line for it? Um, because the more and more I put stuff out in conjunction with this show, the more I'm feeling conflicted between being honest versus being polite to people that are enjoying and sharing and reading my stuff as well here. I don't know. That's, that's just kind of thought I have for this week. Um, but as you guys are recording this and as I'm out tonight as well, remember there's a brand new AIW show tonight on Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. If you can't watch it tonight, watch it this weekend. All right, Joe, I'll let you take that since you know everybody in wrestling. <laughs> um, so if I am, it's, it's, it's so different for me. Um, if there's somebody that I'm friendly and close with on a personal relationship basis with, um, I will boost them up as much as I can. And any sort of criticism that I have will be done in private. Right. Yeah. Um, if there's anyone that I think are actively bad, I will do my best to keep it to myself. But sometimes the joke comes and I got to make it. And then I get, uh, a direct message. And I have to explain myself to friends, um, that may or may not be involved in a match and maybe plead ignorance. Maybe you're retweeting the show flyers several times and you see who was booked on the show. Anywho, um, but I feel as though as long as I so as long as I say these things in a public forum in an honest, non-derogatory way, I think your positive criticism, your negative criticism should just be that. Um, you know, obviously there was some guy, I forget who it was a couple months ago on Twitter, some like upstate New York guy who, you know, you know, is in some of the circles of the people that I'm friends with. But he tweeted some stupid thing out about, like, essentially what Kevin's saying. That, like, you can't criticize wrestling if you've never been in the ring before. Um, blah, 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 blah. And then, like, he walked it back. And he's like, well, what I really meant by it was this. And I'm like, no, 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 that's what's in your heart. That's fine. You're muted and blocked. I never want to see your shit come up on my timeline again because you're obviously a stupid person. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, A person not as smart as me, but once in a while says a good thing. I don't need to stick my hand in a fire to know the fire's hot. I don't need to be a professional wrestler or a filmmaker or an actor or a musician. Music and comedy, unfortunately, run a little bit different gamuts and stuff. But I think for like a performance art, which professional wrestling is, I think you could look at certain things and you could know if it's bad or know if it's good you could look at someone and say, okay, that person was definitely trained well, and that person definitely wasn't. And again, we're all smart to a degree in this day and age and so on and so forth. And some people like to think that no fan can ever be smart. And listen, I've been involved 
in some way, shape, or form in professional wrestling for the better part of the last 17 years. And I'll never know anything, and there's some things that I just don't get. But the things that I don't get, I'm not going to say, well, that's shitty and that's stupid because I don't get it. But I'll say, like, that person's unsafe or that person's not good or that looked a little bit different. But and even like we got into it a little bit on the the Nightmare Factory show, like I'm not in a coaching position. Um, What the hell was his name early in the show? Uh, Leon Cross, right? Mm -hmm. His knee lift looked awesome. But he goes and he does these back elbows and most of them looked a little soft. If I was a coach for him or if I was a trainer for him. I would say work on those if you're going to continue to do them. And then once you got them down, let's look at them again. Let's go from there or figure out a different strike that you can do. But me being a jerk off on a podcast, I can just cock off and say they didn't look good. (laughs) But that doesn't make him a bad person. That just doesn't make him good at that one particular small aspect of professional wrestling. So, Kevin, I say continue to do what you're doing. Be mindful of people's feelings, I guess would be the best thing to say. And there's a way to be a critic without being a jerk off about it. Yeah. And uh, Kevin, listen to me. This is just for you, for you and me. Nobody else is listening. One call. Just one call. All right. What else we got? <laughs> All right. Well, last call, everyone. Uh, pink button time. Noted wrestling personality, Ed Cody. Ooh. Hey, Joe and Adam. It's Ed. Um, so Adam asked me last week, would I rather be, like, the curator, basically, of indie wrestling from Japan on IWTV, or get my show with Vix where I get Vix to do drugs? And I thought about it for about a week now, and <laughs> I've come up with this. I think it's a two-party answer. Um, I think as... We live in a perfect world in this scenario where I can get a hold of these Japanese indies and talk to them and get shit from them instead of them just ghosting me. Then I then I definitely go with that. Like I talk to whatever Money Mark Onita is making pay for the new FMW. I talk to like Triple Six. I talk to Guts World. Fucking, hot. I I mean, I think that's that's for sure what I would do in a perfect world. But in in reality. I know that you're never going to get more than a handful of shows from these people, except, like, Freedoms seems to be updating every now and then. Like, in no world am I getting a hold of Heat Up and being like, Tomorrow, you only gave us half of the 2019 Bernie King tournament. We don't have the back half of it. And Tomorrow would be like, oh, yeah, I'll send that right over. Like, I know that doesn't <laughs> happen. So I guess in, that, in, in this world, like, in reality, um, I go with the big show. For sure. And then I live in New York City and Jerry paid for it. And then Big Hose Drugs. And it gets... Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's that's my answer. It's not a cop-out. I know I gave two different answers. It's not a cop-out. Um, Belle Delphine put a light bulb in her mouth and then when she tried to pull it out, it broke and she cut her mouth all up. <laughs> Art. Okay, bye. Oh, speaking of Ed Cody, uh, he literally just maybe 10 minutes ago tagged me in another Belle Delphine post. So I was looking at that earlier. Um, I do respect Ed's take on that because when I presented that scenario to him last week, I did pitch it as if it was a perfect world and he could put any footage he wanted. 
right. on the network. And I said he would choose that one, which in fairness, he did. And then he said, well, that's obviously not an opportunity. Like, that's not going to happen. So he would choose the the big the big show, which I keep thinking, well, it's the big show. Um, but yeah. So thank you for the Belle Delphine art. And uh, thank you for agreeing with me on what I thought you would pick. I'm almost certain about six podcasts ago, uh, Bix had a a podcast that was called The Bix Show, and the opening was someone doing the, well, it's The Bix Show. Oh, oh, all right then. Great minds. Yes. Um, so, and Ed, again, coming at it from, you know, uh, a perfect world, but also a realistic world, and as he's probably spoken to Jerry of Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium many a time, that it's not the fact that when he makes these agreements with these lower end Japanese companies that it's just all of a sudden Jerry gets this footage from them. And it's just like, Oh, fuck it. I'm not putting it up. They just decide to stop doing it. Right. Yeah. For whatever reason. And you know, there's a million reasons why they could decide not to, but unless you're going over to Japan filming and editing the footage yourself, that's literally the only way that you as one person can guarantee that that footage is always going to be up on you know, any streaming platform. Yeah. All right. There you go. That's what Pod Van Dam can use that Patreon money for. That's right. <laughs> Send some people over. Uh-huh. One way. <laughs> uh, so anyway, <laughs> we mentioned Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium, and I want to address this here because as you're listening to this, uh, it's probably going to be Friday, which means it's Batch of the Brewery Day, right? Yep. Uh, your and local I- cable provider. Right, and well, it's going to be streaming on Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. Use the code ADDODS to sign up for new subscribers, watch this show, and watch a whole bunch of other stuff. But as I said on this very podcast last week, I read a text from Jerry from a week prior that said, oh, we went there, we checked, their download speed is bad, but their upload speed is good, or vice versa, so it's not going to stream live, right? Uh huh. And I read that text on this show, that was the last information I had, right? Yeah. So Friday afternoon, I'm dicking around. I get a text from the boss that says, hey, we're going to bring Gavin Loudspeaker in to be your co-color commentator. Uh, We want to have someone that you could lean on that you're familiar with since this show is going to be live on Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. I go, huh? (laughs) I go, last I spoke to Jerry, he said no. Um, And I go, let me double check with Jerry. And... Mantis comes back to me and says, like, well, we went and we paid for the extra internet upgrade so we could do it. We tested it. Everything works good. I get a text back from Jerry that says, oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you. I'm busy right now. I'm at the Demolition Derby with Smart Mark Gary. I'm like, all right, fair enough. You know your business. And then uh, Jerry had to deliver a bag to me uh, for the show this week. But oh, uh, the show is going to be streaming live on Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. Um, and as you're listening to this, and again, I need to talk to the boys at the LVAC and how they do their social media stuff, like on how some stuff just gets put on some social media channels and some stuff only gets put out once and then never again. Yeah, uh, if you want the full package like of everything the LVAC has to offer, you have to follow them on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Yeah, yeah. 
so it's a stacked show. Uh, first time ever matchup, singles match, Willow Nightingale taking on Hot Sauce Tracy Williams. Uh, we have teacher versus student as world famous CB. And this week and last week, you're going to tell you, he is absolutely world famous taking on his student, Mung J. Lee. Uh, we also have the recently updated uh, three-way dance match of Veda Scott, Edith Surreal, and Vita Von Starr. We have what they themselves are calling a 10-person match, and I think Hydra himself uh, named the team the Five Evil Dudes Smashing Fools of <laughs> Hydra, Ultramantis Black, Frightmare, and the Batiri taking on Murloc, Jolly Roger, Jigsaw, Ryan Mooney, and Jakob Hammermeyer. Oh, uh, and then in the, well, okay, so we get to the recently updated as we were recording um, the match that was a six-person match. Unfortunately, the boar is injured, uh, so taking his place in the match is going to be Bobby Orlando as he teams up with uh, Erica Lee and Puff to take on BoJack. Dan Champion and Lucky 13. And of course, in the main event, in his final match, this 10 match series that he had is coming to an end as Avery Good, comma, professional wrestler, takes on Abby Jane, who actually has recently been on AEW TV, uh, YouTube TV, but TV, mm -hmm. and had a really good showing for herself. It's a stacked show. Um, there's a lot of names and there's a lot of feelings that are going to come up from the show. If you're an old Chikara fan, me and Gavin Loudspeaker doing commentary, Bryce being there as a referee, Dan Yost being there, all these names of people, and it's taking place in Easton. And hey, uh, I think the Chikara special Twitter account tweeted out, all your favorites are going to be there. This is all my favorites. Mm -hmm. um, you know, outside of plus or minus one, I couldn't put together <laughs> a more perfect card. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um. I'm excited to be there. I'm going to take pictures with a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I'm going to give a lot of people hugs, and I can't promise that I'm not going to cry when the match ends for Avery Good's last match. Um, even though nobody retires for real, and once his kids are out of the sports that they're in in about 10 years, he might have a return. But for yeah. right now, it's probably going to be the last time you get to see Avery Good wrestle for a long, long time. All right, now hear me out. Somebody give Avery Good a lot of money and put him on TV, and then we could just put to bed this whole retirement thing. Right, and that's the caveat to everything as well. And he's yeah. kind of jokingly, but not jokingly, but jokingly <laughs> back again said that if he gets a big fancy contract, you know, in 18 months when uh, Freddie Prince Jr. comes knocking, <laughs> he's coming out of retirement, you know? Yeah, he's going to get a very good SAG card. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But hey, if you can't be there live and you probably can't be because this thing's been sold out for three weeks, watch it live on IWTV. Um, tweet along, you know. Um, if I'm doing shitty on commentary, please let me know publicly and I will fix whatever I'm doing. Uh, I'm going to have a long conversation with Gavin because I think it's been a long time since he's called professional wrestling. It's a long time since he and I have called professional wrestling. A lot of things have changed in professional wrestling in <laughs> uh, the time that he's been away. Uh, chasing his Hollywood dreams out of the West Coast. But I'm excited for this. Uh, you know, this is the first show that I've been at live since the last LVAC show in October, you know? And then we got another one in a month. We got two more in a month with the drive-in shows, you know? Yeah, they're stacked. They're like back-to-back -back almost. Yeah. 
Um, I obviously will be there. I'm going to look for hard camera and just basically try to get on camera as much as possible. That is my goal. Well, um, you'll be wearing your purple broski jacket. I already looked at the weather. It looks like it's going to be about 50 degrees because I was worried it would be too hot to wear a, a pleather jacket. I don't want to sweat it up, but it's looking like it might be purple weather jacket, purple leather jacket weather. Not the na not the name of the show, by the way. That's, confusing <laughs> to me. That's fine. Um, but yeah, I will be double fisting, and uh, I'll be there with some surprise guests. All right. Uh, but yeah, like I said, and if you're list if you're in the sound of my voice and you're going to be at the show, come say hi. I'm excited. You know, I'm excited to see people again. I'm excited to be at professional wrestling again. I'm excited to be calling professional wrestling again. This is the only place I call professional wrestling. I know there's been a lot of talk and scuttlebutt of me coming out to AIW uh, again, but even still, if I did, I probably wouldn't come and do commentary. I know Wadsworth had tweeted it out on how they've kind of got their shit together over the last couple of years, and they really have, and, and I feel me hopping in would just kind of fuck that up. If I ever go out to an AIW show, I'm coming to hang. I'm not coming to take somebody's spot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, you're there for the meet and greet. Sell yeah. some arc photos and oh, uh, boy. <laughs> so me, so me buy Ted's so t-shirt. Yeah. Buy some Lucy's, you know? <laughs> um, but Hey, uh, you know, I mentioned about the, um, IWTV thing. I mentioned about the promo code, um, you know, the T public store sale is next weekend. So we'll give that the more hard push. Then, uh, you can help us out by making any and all of your purchases through our Amazon affiliate link. It's in the show notes. Uh, to all of these episodes here, uh, you know, go and uh, set it up on your family's things. They won't even know. It's not like it charges them anything extra. Just Amazon takes a little bit of the money and gives it to us. You know, less money going to Jeff Bezos, the better. Um, you know, they call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Adam happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the fucking money. Yeah. Some of the notable purchases uh, from the Amazon click-through this past week include, uh, and I think this is a uh, purchase directly uh, from us, because we mentioned a week or two ago that somebody had purchased uh, hard card sleeve top loaders, right? Yeah. And somebody purchased a BCW brand 100-pack of those uh, top loaders. BCW does, like, comic book supplies and sports card supplies. Uh, great brand, really good stuff that they put out. BCW. BCW. Uh, somebody purchased uh, Skull Candy Rift wired on-ear headphones in Blue Sunset. Okay, nice. And uh, somebody purchased the 4K Ultra HD Blu-ray of Morbius. All right, I appreciate them using our click-through, but uh, I don't know who, who hurt them in the past. Well, I'll <laughs> tell you this, Adam. Listen, life hack about that DVD, right? Uh-huh. Take it out of the box, you turn it over, and you could do coke off it. <laughs> In 4K. Right. <laughs> but thank you to anyone for all of your purchases, whether it be this week, this month, or forever that we've had the affiliate link. Uh, again, like I said, it's nickels and pennies on the back end, but that's how Gene Simmons got rich, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of doing coke off of things, here's some podcasts you could do coke off of. Those podcasts are Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark. We Need Wrestling, Hit My Music, Final Wrestling Place, Porch Talk, Viewer's Choice, WWE War, Wrestling Cheers, IWTV Guide, 
Pod Van Dam, who literally dropped a new episode while we were recording and got the notification. Hellions Talks. You, I'll, I'll take my thank yous later. <laughs> Hellions Talks, Wings on Wings, and Between the Sheets. And Joe, still not in the plugs, still a show that I will never mention on this podcast, but the A-Show started their third ever Tournament of Champions. And as a former two-time Tournament of Champions winner. I wasn't even consulted. I wasn't even brought in as a master of ceremonies. So once again, another illegitimate tournament being put on by the A-Show, a show I will not mention on this podcast. But that's it for I plugs. Think I, I was going to say, I think I have Matt's home phone number if you want to call him and leave him threatening messages to play on the air. Ooh, that, that sounds like a pretty good bit. I mean, thing to do. Right. <clears throat> uh, so I think that's it outside of Adam's favorite part of the show, right? Yeah. Some might cost a little. Some might cost a lot. But I'm the $100 Vansky. And your figures will be bought. <laughs> All right, Joe. I, I feel like. I am really living the gimmick when it comes to the year of financial responsibility. I think, oh, really? I, was, I, think I was a good boy again. I only have, I don't know, five or six purchases. I have two. Okay. Uh, I'll start off with a quick one and I'll send it over to you. Uh, as you may have seen, if you follow me on Twitter or if you follow some of the our mutuals, uh, our local comic book shop, Comics on the Green, recently purchased a large collection of vintage, and by vintage I mean from the 90s, toys. And uh, Annie the Kitty, uh, a.k.a. Becky, from the comic shop attached, uh, attached me, tagged me in a photo of an Azrael figure. And as the Michael Jordan of Azrael figure collecting, I obviously I have that figure, uh, so I don't need it because I already have it, it's in the Detolf, and it would just be wasteful to get another one. Uh, so, of course, I asked how much, and they were a good price, and they had multiple, so I bought two more, Joe. <laughs> and it's like it's uh, like Batman Ninja Force or something like that, yeah. but it is the most accurate toy if you're asking like for a depiction based on the Joe Quesada run. So it's like the original, original, original costume. And it was a toy that for many years eluded me. And I did not buy my first one until maybe like three, four years ago. Uh, but now I have two extras. They were really cheap, Joe. So I had to buy them. Yeah. So that was really funny. I was at the shop as that stuff was rolling in, you yeah. know? Yeah. And uh, I guess it was, you know, stuff that was in a storage unit okay. that was sat on for like 25 years. Some guys want it in an auction, and they're like, oh, what are we going to do with all this stuff? Oh, nice. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, our local shop got it on, uh, at pennies on the dollar. And I will say with free comic book day coming up uh, this weekend, a lot of that stuff is going to be priced to move. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, they had three of them. Uh, I was told the two of them were in nice shape, so... I'll grab those and I'll 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 tote them up. Yes, yeah, stop out of stop by with the jeweler's loop and uh, give them a look. You know. <laughs> yeah. What about you? What's one of the things you bought? 
Well, I mentioned it last week because I didn't get a chance to go to the actual comic book store myself. Uh, those Marvel Legends um, retro figures that kind of yeah, look like the old mini Mego figures, you know? Yep. Uh, Todd was nice enough on his jaunt to New York a couple weeks ago to pick up the Green Goblin one that was on sale for some reason five months before street date, but I'll take it. <laughs> yep. Um, right. And our local shop had the Electra one, and I like to support our local shop as well as what they have in stock, so I picked that up. Uh, so I only need two more, which would be Venom and regular suit Spider-Man until they release like the next wave. And if they have any Spider-Man villains in there, I don't want Spider-Man in a different suit. I get one Spider-Man and then all the villains. Okay. Um, I, I'm sure you, you said this before, uh, and I just forget, are those two that you're looking for, are they already out or are they yes. coming soon? They're out. Yeah. Uh, like I think retail on these are like 14 to 15 bucks. Yeah. And I think those two, if I'm not mistaken, like on the secondary market, are at the most 25. Okay. Uh, which is fine. That's an acceptable price, you know? Yeah. When you get a second, take a look at uh, the importer exporter website and see if they are available ah. on there. Uh, because A, I might have uh, a discount at the importer exporter place. And B, I might be looking to make a lot of employee purchases on my way out. So gotcha. take a look because uh, I don't know if it was revealed on any other podcast, but I hooked uh, Todd up with the Mr. Fantastic that he needed. And uh, we did a really funny bit over on Porch Talk. Go listen to that episode. Um, but I got the package on my front porch and I did not open it. And I said I was going to bring it over to him and let him see it. So it was one of those things where, once again, it could be a destroyed figure in the package. It could be mint. We don't know until I do the handoff. Right. Uh, but uh, it was actually in really nice shape. So. And I actually just went online and I looked. Um, and they're usually they're actually selling. And this is the funny thing. Like a week or two ago, when I looked, they were selling like twenty to twenty five. And I looked today, and they're selling like ten to eleven. Yeah, so. it was probably one of those things where a small handful of places got them yeah. and they had the market cornered. And now as more people are getting them, they're like, ah, oh, well the, the market's flooded. Yeah. But like I said, right now it's just the four Spider-Man figures and I'm good to go. All right. Uh, I made a couple pre-orders on ringside this week. I don't know if you saw Joe, there was a big day for pre-orders. Uh, I don't know, a couple days ago. Uh, first and foremost, AEW Supreme Series 1 went up for pre-order. The uh, Cody Rhodes and Britt Baker. No, and, thank you. <laughs> and I had said that I am going to be an AEW Supreme completist until I change my mind. And as of now, I am going to buy them. Uh, so I pre-ordered those two figures. And also up for pre-order, Joe, was ult the new series of Ultimates. I don't know, Ultimate 14 maybe, uh, which was Roman Reigns. And another Jeff Hardy. Now, I want the Roman Reigns. I talked about that a couple weeks ago when that was revealed at Mania. Uh, I, that's a must-have. But that Jeff Hardy, I'm like, I haven't even seen the figure, but I'm like, I don't want it. You know, I already, I just got a stupid Jeff Hardy Ultimate a month, a month ago, two months ago from Amazon. And they're making another goddamn Jeff Hardy? I get it. You're trying to like take advantage of the license before you lose it or whatever the deal is. But I'm like, do I need to buy this? So I'm thinking that I am not going to be a completist when it comes to ultimates going forward. <gasps> I th I'm not tapping out of the line, 
but I think I'm giving myself permission to pick and choose. So like the ultimate Roman Reigns, that's a must. I'll get that Roman Reigns. Another Jeff Hardy? No, thank you. I'm out. So you said another Jeff Hardy. And again, not being the enabler, but I'm just asking questions, oh, guys. Sure, right? sure. Yeah, I, I'll say before you even ask the question, I'm sure it's going to be an awesome figure and it'll look completely different than the other figure. Okay. But I do not collect Jeff Hardy. Never would I buy a Jeff Hardy figure if it wasn't for the fact that I was trying to get all these ultimates. Now, I'll. so you already have one Jeff Hardy ultimate. We have not seen what the second one looks like yet, correct? Yes. What if you see the second one and you like it better than the first one. Are you going to swap so that you have at least one Jeff Hardy in your Ultimates collection? Or are you, I bought this one. It doesn't matter if this new one is a thousand times better. I've made my bet. I'm lying it, lying in it. So what I'm asking is, sure. is there a chance that you're going to purchase this one and swap it out? Or, um, All right. So very good question. This is actually something I thought about originally. Um. When it comes to the original Jeff Hardy, that was an Amazon exclusive and uh, relatively hard to get a hold of figure. Because as I'm sure you know, those Amazon exclusive ultimates, it doesn't matter if you pre-ordered it or not. Some people who pre-ordered them get them. Some people who pre-ordered them just get put on like a indefinite waiting list. Yeah. So I actually got the Jeff Hardy. I pre-ordered that and the Amazon exclusive Hulk Hogan which is the one that has the the black eye, you know, the WrestleMania 10, um, which I pre-ordered them. WrestleMania both, 9, but I get Sorry, you. WrestleMania 9. Uh, I pre-ordered them both the same exact day, the day that they went up for pre-order. I've had the Jeff for five months now, and my Hogan still doesn't even have a date for shipping. Uh, so with that being said, I would keep the Jeff Hardy because it's an exclusive to a store. So... If I'm going to revise my rules for collecting ultimates, um, number one, if it's an exclusive like Amazon or the Target ones or whatever, I'll probably still buy all of those. Um, but when it's a non-exclusive, I'm going to pick and choose. And as far as my existing collection, like to give you an idea, uh, one of the characters that I have multiples of is, for example, The Fiend. His first ultimate was the like the classic height of powers fiend, you know, just that costume from the, the longest part of the run. Uh, but he came out with an ultimate like a month or two ago, which is the costume that he wore for like the second half of his final WrestleMania match, like after he was burned. So it was like the match, uh, the, the one time appearance that they made a, a, an ultimate of. I don't need that. So I'll probably put that in the purge pile if I do start to like, just kind of dwindle down the ultimates. Gotcha. Yeah. But yeah, this Jeff Hardy, uh, was the, like the, the, the catalyst of me being like, I don't need them all, you know, and just because it's like, all right, we're on our third Hogan. We have two triple H's, two Cena's, two rocks, uh, you know, two Jeff Hardy's. I'm like, where's my Roddy Piper? Where's my, you know, Kevin Owens, you know, where like have some diversity in this line. I get it. It's cheaper to just reuse the same bodies and just give them different costumes. But, you know, I'm just being nitpicky. So maybe maybe Broski wasn't right. Maybe I shouldn't have been buying oh. every ultimate that comes out. But you I know do what? With that. 
With that being said, I do need the ultimate Roman, but I did not pre-order it because as far as ringside pre-orders of ultimate series figures, uh, I've learned that it's completely unnecessary to spend like $45 on an ultimate. When, if I just have some patience, I can buy it at target for 30 bucks. You know, if it's not an exclusive, it's going to be on the shelves. Gotcha. And I'll just throw this out of there as a side uh, note. Um, I think within the last seven days, we saw the 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 pictures of the next AEW set of the figures in box, right? Yeah. And I guess people going to Ringside's site to purchase them or pre-order them now, they do have a date that they're shipping by late June. So that's yeah. that's the Eddie Kingston, Thunder Rosa, Ricky Starks, Powerhouse Hobbs, et cetera set. Yeah, I, some of those figures look really good. Obviously, the Eddie Kingston, I think they improved on greatly over yeah. what it was shown over WrestleMania weekend. I still don't like the fact that he kind of has a full head of hair instead of a buzz cut, uh, but it does look better than it did. And, you know, as a mint on card guy, uh, the overall presentation looks awesome. Absolutely. All right, Joe, what else did you get? All right, so last but not least, this is a pre-order for, you know, my kid. But, you know, it's for me as well. Um, so I, these days, he doesn't, we don't really play the Pokemon game, but he likes to open and collect the cards, you know? Yeah. So the most I'll get him is, is whatever, like, the Elite Trainer box is. And lately I've been pre-ordering them directly from the Pokemon company themselves because you get a little bit different box, you get a little bit different... Um, coin inside to flip you get a couple extra packs and you get a couple extra exclusives that you could only get through there like if you remember about like six to eight months ago when like it was going crazy you couldn't find pokemon cards anywhere yeah and now all those sets that you couldn't find anywhere are like like just backlogging the shelves at like your costcos and places like that (laughs) yeah this was pokemon attempting to be able to control the flow of that merchandise to make sure that everyone who wants them gets them. You know, you can only order four. It has to be with a credit card. You can't PayPal stuff with disputes and that sort of thing. So the new set comes out this month. I pre-ordered that two months ago, which means the next set that comes out in two months is already up for pre-order. And that is a set based around Pokemon Go. I play Pokemon Go. I like Pokemon Go. And this one also, if you pre-order it through... um the Pokemon site themselves, you get a Mewtwo card with art that you can only get with that. So Mewtwo is one of my kids' favorites. It's like an NFT. Yeah, well, again, he and I joke about NFTs because the stupid um, videos and YouTubers and stuff that he watches, they all talk about NFTs. And I keep trying to explain to him that NFTs are a scam. And he's 10, he doesn't get it, but he gets a little <laughs> bit better than people that are like in their 40s that don't understand that NFTs are a scam. Anyway, um, so yeah, Pokemon cards, I'm done. That's all I got this week. Nice. All right, I have like one other, one or two other things, but I am going to take this opportunity well, uh, to actually turn on my camera because I want to show you something. So this will this will make for great podcasting. So you can see me, you can see Alexa behind me. Well, that poor um, girl. <laughs> Poor Alexa. Um, so I don't know if you remember, like, this past Christmas, I got from my mother, um, and I'm going to pick it up right now. This is, like, a Transformers guide. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, where it's like pictures of all the toys and stuff. Yeah, it's basically like here's every single figure ever made. It's like a reference thing. And you can see from the picture, and obviously those listening can't hear, but it's uh, about the height dimensions of a phone book, but maybe the thickness of like a trade paperback. Okay. You know, and I was like, this thing is awesome. I, I flipped through this thing for hours and hours and hours. I love it. So I basically said, I want one of these for all of like the toy lines that I loved as a kid. So a couple weeks ago for weekly purchases, I had bought the Hasbook, which is basically the same gimmick, but for Hasbro figures. So once again, here's a picture of like every single Hasbro figure and card variations and like all the different repaints and whatever. So it's cool. Now, it's like a reference. Oh, go ahead. I'm going to interrupt you there. Is this the one that they use some of Broski's stuff for reference photos for? Or? Uh, it is possible because there is like a section about like two ups and like prototypes and stuff. Okay. Like that. Um, so again, I was like, I'm adding this to the collection. I got this a couple weeks ago. I'm happy. And again, as you can see about the thickness of a trade paperback, you know, oh. soft bound book, uh, but awesome. It has everything it needs in it. So, I said to myself, what else do I need? All right. As a kid, you know, obviously the Hasbros are awesome. I was a huge, huge, huge Transformers mark. That's my thing. But I also want one for G.I. Joe. And I want one for He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Um, now, these things, when they're made, I guess they're all like kind of self-published or independently published. Like there's not a major publisher that makes these guides where when they sell out, they're like, oh, let's print another 10,000 of them. It's usually when they sell out, they're done. So in the case of the Hasbook, that sold out of its initial run. And I had to kind of join like a Kickstarter type deal to like pledge that I would buy a second printing if they would go back to print. Sure. And that's how a second print came out. Um, when it comes to G.I. Joe, there are none that are in print. So like the older ones are going for like a fortune on eBay. And by a fortune, I mean, these are things that normally retail like 40, 50 bucks. These things are selling used for like $200, which is crazy. And I'm like, all right, I'll wait two years, five years, whatever, to get the next printing of whatever some guy puts out. All right. Makes sense. Yes. So what I did find is on Amazon, there was a masters of the universe one, a He-Man one. And it retailed 60 bucks. And I don't know if you know, like sometimes when you look at books on Amazon, you can kind of see preview pages. Yes. So I was like scrolling through and they had like 20 something pages up there you can look through. And it was exactly what I wanted. Here's pictures of them on card. Here's pictures of the back. Here's the front, whatever. Um, They were 60 bucks and they were on sale for 35. And I was okay. like, oh, that's a good deal. I'm going to buy one of these. I want to show it to you, Joe, as I lift this thing up. Oh, all right. Woo! I don't know if you could see this. That's hardbound? This is a this is a hardcover book that is like significantly taller and wider than a phone book. About the thickness of a phone book and a hardcover. And that's, thing, that's like the size of like a DC Absolute Edition or a Marvel like Ultimates. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, okay. And so I saw this on Amazon. Uh, I knew I needed something like this to continue like my little collection of reference slash nostalgia books that I've been buying. Uh, plus my one friend, Rob, 
who is the guy I went out to Toy Hio and AIW with uh, last year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Masters of the Universe to him is like Transformers to me. And he doesn't listen to this show, so I could say I bought an extra one to give him for Christmas. So that's just oh, going to get that's put away. Nice, yeah. uh, but like this thing is huge and it's awesome. And I look forward to to tearing this thing open uh, and uh, just like flipping through the pages. So this was like the highlight of my weekly purchases, just as far as a, a, a nostalgia and a joy type of deal. I was afraid that this was going to go sideways the other way. Where like the 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 Master of the Universe one was gonna be like smaller and it's gonna be like shittier print and it was gonna be like not as nice like it was not gonna be as many photos or not as nice photos or whatever it was because I did see I follow a bunch of different accounts and I did see someone tweeting that out that it was on sale right yeah and I love all those same toy lines that you do I grew up with all those same things as well and I saw the He Man one and I'm like. Do I even like? Oh, do I open this can of worms? Right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. And I decided not to. Um, but now you showing me what it looks like. Um, I'm gonna be like, holy shit! I need to see if because that if that's still up there for thirty five bucks, I might need to grab it. Yeah, and if you, uh, I'll send you the link uh, when we get off the air, and you can see it's listing on Amazon. Uh, there is a, like I mentioned, a ton of preview pages, uh, available. Like, I, I feel like I read the preview for like a half an hour, you know, before I bought it, just sitting there scrolling through all the pages that they had on there. Uh, and let me just go to my orders here on Amazon. And obviously if this sounds interesting to anybody out there, be sure to use our click through. Uh, and as it slowly loads, it is still 3549. Yep. I'm looking at it here. Yeah. I cannot recommend it enough. Well, Based on what I read in the preview stuff and just the size of this thing, uh, I can't recommend it enough. And I barely scratched the surface on it. You know? Yep. It's called the Toys of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. Yeah. Um, and like hopefully one day I'll get a G.I. Joe one that's the equivalent. And also hopefully I don't remember another toy line that I want the, the, the a comparable book to. Right. Um but uh, yeah, so I look forward to looking through that, and uh, I got I got somebody checked off the Christmas list already in May, so that works out. Um, one other thing, though, Joe, I didn't make a purchase, but I'm trying. Uh, as you, I said before, I'm not on Twitter enough, uh, so I saw a tweet many hours after it was originally posted. But uh, Avery Good found some old T-shirts. From uh, from his previous life, yes. Uh, so I did message him asking if uh, certain ones were available in large, uh, and he didn't get back to me. But uh, hopefully he'll bring them to the gimmick table tomorrow. But I tried to make a purchase just under the wire, uh, but uh, he's a busy man with children, so I wasn't able to close anything. Uh huh. But that's it. That's all for me. Yeah, that's it for me too. But again, uh, I appreciate everyone for hanging out with us. The show's going up a little bit later. Um, as well these are usually a quick slapdash edit and uh it certainly sounds that way but um again i hope to see everyone either at the or tweeting about the batch of the brewery friday night live streaming on iwtv aka jerry's internet wrestling emporium um there's people that were announced that don't have matches yet there are people that have named um and i wouldn't be surprised if there's not a surprise or two you know what i mean um, it's going to be a blast. And if you can't be there, you could be there in spirit by watching at home, tweeting at me, telling me if I'm doing a good job or not. <laughs>
And uh, again, for Adam, this is Joe closing out episode 188 of At Odds with Wrestling and saying be safe out there and enjoy some wrestling. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Network.